Hey y'all, this is Patch coming to you before the show with a quick content warning. Um, pretty much the entire back half of this show is focused on parental trauma in one form or another. That'll start at around an hour and 15 minutes, but there are heavy themes of overly controlling abusive parenting and trying to escape said situations, and also uh, loss of a parent. If any of those are things that you have a sensitivity to, I would encourage discretion in your listening today. But uh, other than that, I hope you enjoy the show. Take care. and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Owl House. I'm Patch, and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the Boiling Isles. It's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe? I'm doing pretty okay. I uh, had a pretty busy day because uh, I went and got blood work done so this way we can check my hormone levels because I haven't done that in close to... actually over half a year now, yeah, now that I think about it. Like, mostly... Oh. Wanted to get that uh, good... Uh, basis of how it's going ever since I switched to injections and reduced down to just once a day Spiro. So, I mean, <laughs> I, there is a the fact that, like, my progesterone did double, so it's like, yeah, wondering about that too. But yeah, I'm curious about that stuff, so I was like, oh, the last time I did this was September, let's go ahead and get this done a little bit before I get my, uh, supposed refills in, like, what, three or four weeks? Not bad. Sometime in, like, mid to late May or so. Yeah, nice. uh, but then right after that, I went and picked up like a bunch of fem uh, pants, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm dancing around trying to say underwear. Fuck it, it's underwear. <laughs> just to test, test out stuff like new waters that I haven't gone about, and like I get pretty flat, so bonus. <laughs> Can't say none <laughs> of that. <laughs> yep, I don't know. Because like also earlier in the week after I did a job interview, that I'm like I'm pretty sure I. God, considering they already they are doing like a background check on me, but like I haven't heard back yet because like I said it could take upwards like three days or so. But yeah, after I did that on Tuesday, I also wanted to donate a suitcase full of old uh, masculine clothes to the New Haven Pride Center and got to pick out some uh, tops that they have there too. Hey, nice. Yep, I look cute as fuck. It's been a bit of a uh, busy week for me just in terms of like being out and about a lot more <laughs> especially in that uh latter case of like yeah having to try to like navigate around uh new haven a city i definitely have never been at before <laughs> of like at, wait, where is this because like it was like a weird thing where their pride center is on the bottom of like a kind of nondescript building like in the basement so it was like yeah uh how do i get there is this the right building okay and then like when i walked inside it's like okay i see it it's like yeah because like i found it because like the exterior had like a mail slot for uh new like NHPC, so I was like, oh, New Haven Pride Center, there we go, okay, cool. So I like, went in there, and so I was in the basement, and then like popped in, it's like, hey, I think I talked to you over email, and they're like, oh yeah, totally, that's me, okay. So yeah, they had way too much, and like, I feel like it's always a case of like, even though I donated, like I said, an entire suitcase full of like, shirts and stuff, it's like, it feels weird to take a good amount, considering that it's like, 
I mean, I'm, I, I don't have a job and everything, but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily, like, poor or anything. It's not like I'm, like, scrounging. But, like, yeah. at the same time, like, I only took, like, seven shirts, like, a little, like, uh, like, cardigan, like, one of those, like, throwover, like, jacket things that don't button up. And, like, one dress, because I'm like, yeah, this, this is a good amount to start with. <laughs> but, yeah, they have a oh, fucking yeah. load there. Yeah, they have a ton. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with stuff like that. So I don't know. I I never felt super comfortable taking from exchanges like that. I'm perfectly yeah, happy that, to donate. But I I think that's also that. Yeah, because it's like it, it feels again a bit strange because it's like, I mean, admittedly, I gotta say like the pants selection and the shoe selection they had weren't that great. <laughs> so that's why I didn't take any of those. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Cause like, it's kind of hard to like find like a good pair of donated shoes, I guess. Cause they get worn out a lot. Yeah. No, that's true. I don't know. I just, um, how do I say it? Apart from the facts that there are rarely anything donated in my style, which is a big first issue. I mm. just don't feel comfortable being a transactional part of those exchanges right because yeah. i don't need it exactly yeah i guess there's a difference of like it was like yeah i don't actually have any like femme tops besides like my one blouse that i got uh back in like november or whenever it was because that was also yeah. when i got that one dress i have so it's like it's more like yeah i just wanted like a couple shirts it's like I, again it feels weird to take like obviously i didn't want to take like an equivalent amount of how much i donated because that just feels kind of wrong so it's like yeah it's like <laughs> I don't need these, but also, like, yeah, I could use a few, but I'm not going to take too many kind of deal. So, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it feels weird, but also, it's like, I get that that's why they're there, and it feels like that's probably why the uh, New Haven Pride Center's closet itself was, like, kind of swarmed. Like, they had too many rows. They were, like, when I showed up and said I had a whole suitcase, they were like, uh, we're trying to, s let me see if I can figure out where to put these. Like, we had to, like, actually open <laughs> up, like, a like a bin they had and just leave it unsealed because they couldn't close it with how much they added to it because it was just oh like goodness yeah i think it was just like they, I, I feel like they probably do like they have like a similar thing like what i did of like people donate more than obviously more than they take and so they just yeah. like always have a bit too much because like even when i was looking around i was like this has a bit of like choice paralysis too because there's just so much <laughs> the uh the gender support group in San Antonio, where I'm from, used to do clothing exchanges back when we had in-person meetings, and we didn't have, like, an actual pantry. We would just have people bring stuff in and leave it at the back of the room. And yeah. the thing is, is that nobody took anything. So at the end of the meetings, everyone would just leave, and there would be <laughs> mountains of clothes at the back of the room. <laughs> yeah, that, that gets to be a bit of a problem, because it's like, again, I, I feel like it is a case of, like, you feel a bit guilty if you take some when like the whole purpose is to donate to the center even though it's like yeah but the clothes are there to give to other people that need them or, exactly or yeah them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know. it's it's uh yeah it's like one of those like weird social stigmas i guess of like i, I feel weird if i take more than i feel like i'm allotted to even though it's like they literally are here to give this stuff to people that could use it yeah yeah i don't know for me on some level it's just like i'm a little bit of a hoarder you know yeah. i still have the clothes that i was wearing in high school and i just I mean, Green. yeah, a, a lot of the a lot of the ones I donated are exactly that. Where it's like, wow, I remember having this back when I started college in 
god, uh, 2006. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I have not grown <laughs> upwards at all in that amount of time. It's like, hey, at least well, I've sure. at least I've grown a little bit outward, but mostly that's a little bit butt and a little bit boob more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just mean like I still wear that stuff, you know. My personal yeah. <laughs> style has not changed that much since I was an idiot teenager. Yeah, exactly. I'm just an exactly. idiot adult. I mean, yeah, like mine has, mine has kind of shifted away from like less like video game shirts and more the fact that I now have a total of like four outhouse shirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, te technically three at the moment, a fourth is on the way, because I saw one that I missed out on when, like, an artist, uh, that they don't actually follow that much on Twitter, I saw them pop up again, where they were like, my loose anemone shirt is back in stock, and it's like, the last day to build free, or I'm like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, I grabbed that. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've already, well, yeah, I've had the okay. bad girl coming shirt, then the loose hoodie, and, like, I, I forget if I mentioned this, it was, like, a week or so ago, when, uh, the Amity sweaters that I ordered for myself and my roommate for her late birthday present from Kyoten's arrived. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I have that. So this will be uh, number four. <laughs> Goodness. Yep. I have none. <laughs> I, I have a uh, pretty funny idea for, like, our season two finale episode of Our House that I feel like would be pretty fun <laughs> in terms of, like, okay. shit I keep buying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez, that's actually not that far away from this point, huh? <laughs> No, not at all. That's yeah. like six weeks tops. Uh, yeah, because like next week we're doing 15 and 16, then 17, 18, 19. Uh, yeah, we should be, if we don't miss a week and we record on a Thursday, we should be doing the episode that covers episode 21 on the 2nd of June. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that right, because like, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, because like there's six more episodes left. It's like the last uh, episode of this season before the specials whenever they are would be on may 28th yep goodness me yep and meanwhile amphibia <sighs> ends two weeks before then that feels so wrong it does because like at the same time like again so much shit keeps happening in owl house that's like ah it sucks that these characters don't get more time to just be themselves <laughs> because some yeah. stupid Disney executive yeah. was like, this doesn't fit the brand. It's like, yeah, because you put it on the wrong fucking avenue. Because, again, they put it on fucking the channel for, like, 6 to 10-year-olds as opposed to Disney+, Plus, where it's like, it keeps doing fucking great. And they <laughs> keep doing the stupid shit where it's like, even Dana said, like, yeah, we'll put the first five episodes up on, like, I think, like, the... 28 or something like that like after episode 6 is aired and it's like you, you, the last time you put like the first 5 up after like the first 5 went live I don't know why it's now that they're waiting after week but it's like you could put them up the same day and date and then they would actually do way better numbers because <laughs> people would be watching it because they would be watching it on streaming yeah. Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. Also, I mean, of course, it's impossible to not think about, like, it also doesn't fit the air quotes brand because of all the stuff that Disney's in pr trouble about the gay shit with the don't say gay bill and all. Because it's like, it's kind of hard not to look at it that way, too, because, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't like companies, and I'm not trying to defend companies here. Yeah. What I will say is that Disney did back down and remove all their donations yeah. and is now having all their special privileges brutally ripped from them by the state of Florida. This so. is true, like, but at the same time, 
they kind of were trying to get away with it until enough people told them this is fucked up. Yeah, just no, you're just like just like right. any other like big company. Like all like how many times have you seen like a video game company like start to like try to endorse NFTs and people be like, "Fuck you, no, what the fuck are you doing?" And then them like, "Oh, sorry about that, whoopsie doozie," and it's like, "Fuck you." Not as many as we should have. Yeah, fair. I mean, hey, at least like the Team Seventeen people, the people that make worms, at least were like, "Uh, this was a bad idea. Let's back out. <laughs> Not start this." And hey, at least Discord hasn't tried again yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I'm thinking about Squeenix and their real oh, sold yeah, 100 no, of yeah. these, but we promise they'll be in every game from now on. Oh yeah, no, like all the Square Enix shit, where it's like it feels bad to buy any of their games really, like day and day. Like, it, like, I mean, I was looking forward to playing Final Fantasy VII Remake when they finally released it on PC, which was, like, I think, like, half a year ago now. And then it's, like, at the same time, they were like, also NFTs. I'm like, welp, goodbye. You've become <laughs> Shinra yourselves, assholes. Cool, great. <laughs> but, like, I mean, I didn't play it, but, like, because, I mean, I'm still curious. I know what happens in it because I looked up the plot synopsis. Also, it's, it's just Midgar with more stuff happening. But it's, like, I mean, I'm still curious to try it out to see how it plays is the thing. <laughs> like for myself but like at the same time it feels bad to give them their money directly because i'm like i still haven't gotten a triangle strategy that like totally not final fantasy tactics but definitely final fantasy tactics game on switch but even when like finally do i would try to like get it used off of ebay or something because i'm like i'd rather give some more some money back to the person that bought this already themselves than give it directly to square enix like obviously <laughs> i know square enix still got the sale numbers but i'd rather buy a used copy then give them more money directly because again screw them for becoming the fucking villains of Final Fantasy 7 in reality <laughs> yeah I have no context for that I've not played that game yeah I mean it's like straight up if you played Final Fantasy Tactics it is just that but like I don't want to say it's like a like Game of Thrones inspired kind of world of like everything's like really serious but it really does read a bit like it's like Final Fantasy Tactics Game of Thrones basically uh, let me put it to you this way. I mm -hmm. played Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3. Okay, fair. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Crystal Chronicles, but that doesn't count. Crystal Chronicles counts, because it's a good game. <laughs> I would, yeah, but I would it's say, different. I would say it's like the last Final Fantasy game they made that I've actually really liked since, like, Final Fantasy 9. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't feel like it's... Because you had to have a Game Boy SP to play it. It's I mean, not... yes, it's it's uh, it was already dumb back then, but the dumb version of it back then is better than the bastardized version they released like last year, I think it was. When it's like, I I think it was, if I remember correctly, I think you couldn't play with people online with their character progress or something. You couldn't play local for some reason. So it's like yeah, you you I mean that's yeah, it's like <laughs> you took out like the aspect of it that was like playing with your friends on the couch basically and like. You couldn't have people save their progress playing it multiplayer over the internet? What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, why did, you, why did you bother remaking this game when the whole part of it was to play together with friends, basically? Because <laughs> I played that game by myself solo, I remember. I played, uh... What's the the character race that has, like, the racket? Like, the, like, half magic, half melee character? Uh, no idea. Yeah, the I, I don't. Onion guys? No, the onion guys were like full strength. Like the uh, the the tall like people with helmets were like all magic, and like the human was just like oh, basic yeah. all around. And then like the other one was like dodgy, half magic, half spellcasting. 
for a record. What the fuck are they called? Okay, uh, I was not conscious enough of video games to know that back then. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually looking it up at the moment. I want to uh, right. Okay, I thought it was something with, like, Darfness. Yeah, like, they were, like, the, like... Uh, I'm trying to remember if they were, like, mostly all female or something. Yeah, it's like they had the second lowest defense, but, like, the highest agility or something, so they could dodge easier. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it doesn't. Selkies are supposed to be sealed people. They shouldn't be yeah, agile. But... That, yeah, that's why I was like, when, I, when it came into my mind, I'm like, was it Selkie? That doesn't sound right, because that's, like, sealed people. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, no, apparently they were Selkie in this. But yeah. No, <laughs> it, it's... Yeah, that was a game that, like, I never really played multiplayer. I, I played that in, like, uh, fucking Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures by myself if I can't play. My siblings did not want to play that shit, and I didn't know enough people to really have them over during that point in my life to play it as well. <laughs> wasn't until, like, <laughs> the end of the GameCube life, man, when I really, like, met people that I consider my friends and have been my friends for ages. Yeah, that's... That does happen. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have lasting friendships until 10-ish uh, years ago. It kind of happens when you move every three years, you know? Yeah, that kind of does it to you. I mean, like... And also before the internet? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I met my, most of my longest-term friends back in high school, and, like, we've at least been able to stay connected just because, like, I mean, obviously the internet is the thing. So, like, by that point, the internet was wet for enough that we were, like, chatting over time. And, like, we still tried to, like, keep up with, like, playing, like, tabletop games when we could, like, once everybody really started college and started going away to college, like, we couldn't really do it as much until the summer. But, I mean, we at least uh, continue it now in our adulthood, now that Roll20 is a thing, so it's possible. It's, <laughs> yeah, people are able to figure it out as long as everybody can actually have their schedule sync up at times. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh... It's nice to be able to stay in touch, but uh, speaking of staying in touch, could we jump into today's episode? <laughs> yeah, oh boy. <laughs> uh, uh, wonderful segues, I am a champion in this. <laughs> hey, you know what actually would be helpful is if I actually had my uh, notes pulled up on my fucking computer. I apparently I closed it out at some point. <laughs> oh, hey. Okay, I've got no, it. You've got a little time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe. Well, it's like more I wanted to like have my notes for episode 13 up. I have to cover oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this week I am covering season two, episode 13, Any Sport in a Storm, which is, as far as we know, the last book episode, but there's always time. <laughs> um, it's like yeah. the least book episode of book episodes, though. <laughs> it's definitely the least of the book episodes, like, but it yeah. is a book episode. <laughs> I mean, fair. Loose holds a book like twice in this episode. <laughs> Luce's whole plot is about books in this episode. Yeah, but Luce and Abedee's B-plot is, like, so small. They're on the screen They're on screen for, like, all of three minutes in this episode. It's the fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, you never know. There's still time for them to ruin me with one of the specials. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it turns out the final battle is only in the library. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we open in Hunter's room in the castle, where Little Rascal is sitting on his shoulder as he sews a new back patch onto his cape. He did not do a very good job. Um, 
I've no. been there. Sewing is hard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, you just you don't start with a back patch. Is the thing that's the most important one. <laughs> yeah, start with a smaller one off to the side, back on the shoulder or something. Exactly. I also like that he just got so desperate that he uses the fucking band aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, a couple of cops, and they are cops. They're not Emperor's Coven guards. Knock on the door to deliver a letter from Bellos. Because apparently Bellos is busy today and is thus putting Hunter in charge of the Coven Heads as a test. Which Hunter loves, of course, because he loves any time Bellos pays the slightest bit of attention to him, even if it's through a letter and he's not there. <laughs> um, so he heads to the throne room, but the Coven Heads are already leaving when he gets there. They're in, like, a very dramatic single-file line. <laughs> Darius and Eberwolf are the only ones who stayed behind. And Darius tells Hunter that they've decided to reschedule the recruitment meeting since the Emperor isn't there. But then he steals Hunter's cape so he can make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like... And, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, it's gonna be a lot different after the end of this episode, and also, like, as we kind of get glimpses of for most of 15 and all, but it's like, yeah, remember when Darius was, like, a full asshole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe, I mean... maybe not. Maybe it's actually a cover. <laughs> Uh, I get it, though. This kid is just the worst. I mean, yeah, Hunter is a little, like... <laughs> I don't want to say people please her, because the only person he tries to please is his uncle. It's like, But like, at the same time, he's such he's such a little, like, brown noser. He, he's, like, a little... He, he licks Bellis's boots, basically, all the time and does nothing else, and that's all he lives for. I have the note several times in this episode it'll come back again and again that hunter has never had his own thought in a li in his life yep. so <laughs> no thoughts yeah. serve emperor only <laughs> yes indeed so, uh yes all right i just have like one little thing here uh i mean it's something we can probably get more into based on the context of episode 15 when we get there next week but like do you think darius and everwolf are like also like in on this whole deal where they dismiss the meeting intentionally because if Bellis ain't around they can plan stuff better I don't know about that Darius maybe but I don't think Eberwolf is because mm. I mean Eberwolf knows about Rain as well and it's like if there was like some other Covenhead that's probably in on it it would probably be them, because, like, that's why I'm trying to remember if we ever hear pronouns for Everwolf. I don't think so. Uh, we do not. Uh, yeah. The wiki uses they, them. We covered that in that episode. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess we did. Yeah, they're just, they're they're a little, like, cat gremlin kid, so who knows? <laughs> we have no <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess my point is, like, I forgot my point already. I'm great at this. <laughs> I think it's just that like the point is we actually don't really know much about Everwolf as a whole anyway, just because they don't really talk. <laughs> right, they don't talk, and um, yeah, we we got like way more direct confirmation of Darius maybe being involved based on the end shot of episode fifteen than anything. Yes, and I had a very well reasoned reason why I didn't think Everwolf was in on it, but now it's just gone. So. <laughs> I'll well, bring that up hey, if it returns to me. Well, as our track record shows, uh, I'm going to be totally right, because every time we mention something on this show, it ends up being a thing. <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember all the times where I was like, oh, yeah, like, Viney and Gerbo won't ever come back. Tibbles won't ever come back. You know, Lucid's dad is probably dead, but it probably won't come up in the show. <laughs> oh, like, literally, like, you know what, what two fucking weeks before I'm proven wrong <laughs> on all that? <laughs> I, I, 
I've remembered it. Okay, so the reason that I think Everwolf is not in on whatever it is is that if Darius is, if Darius knows that there's going to be a revolution and he's been sent out to capture Rain, then the only reason he would actually do it is if the person he was with would have reported him to the Emperor otherwise. Fair, yeah. Unle- yeah unless that's, they're that's all in on it and they're all pretending. <laughs> Again. Unless they're each in their own separate revolution, and neither of them knows the <laughs> other. <laughs> Which, I mean, hey, again, six weeks from now, if we're back here being like, I was fucking right. <laughs> it's because I said on the show, <laughs> therefore I manifested into being. Right. Um, yes, okay, so, um, Darius steals Hunter's cape, and when he does, he notices that the back patch is the symbol of the original Golden Guard, because apparently Hunter is a legacy hero. Uh, Darius says that the original Golden Guard was one of the strongest witches he'd ever known, and also his mentor, and that Hunter doesn't deserve to wear this symbol. So, naturally, Hunter asks how he can earn it, because he's never had an original thought in his life. (laughs) And uh, Darius is very exasperated by this. He very much seems to be the kind of dude who wants his minions to take initiative instead of having to micromanage them. (laughs) Which is weird for an Abomination user, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, Um, as we'll see, it is his day off, technically, so... He's he's just trying to get away from Hunter as soon as possible, I think. (laughs) Also, not to pinpoint, but, like... Didn't he say that, like, the previous Golden Guard was his mentor, not the original? Like, we kind of don't... I'm trying to remember based on his phrasing, but I think he said the, the previous, not the original. Uh, well, in this in this place he says original, and later in the episode he'll say previous. Oh, So, okay. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if that refers to the same person, or... It, yeah, it might be one and the same, then. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's it's dramatic. It's very possible that there were, like, six of these guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, no, I'm looking in at... Order to get... Sorry, I'm looking at the synopsis on the, the fan wiki, and it does say he goes on to say that Hunter's previous predecessor is one of the strongest witches. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering wrong. Maybe this is wrong. I don't know. It's possible that not everyone reads into the words as strongly as we do. <laughs> also true. I mean, again, this is a show that is not supposed to be analyzed as much by a bunch of 30-year-olds, and yet it ends up being so. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. So in order to get Hunter out of his hair, Darius just kind of makes up a thing, suggesting that if Hunter wants to earn that patch, he can go find New Emperor's Coven recruits, the best and brightest witches in all the land, Hunter agrees, of course, and then Darius kind of puts him down for it, complimenting how good he is at doing what he's told. Um, And then we get the credits. They are very abridged. They only run about 10 seconds instead of the usual 30. So I guess we just really needed that extra 20 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like. It's it's weird that, like... Uh, Wait, no, I'm thinking of the next episode. The next episode actually has, like, the full credits where Willow still has her old hairstyle. Which, yep, I mean, sure does. makes sense. I mean, like, they, they might be saving that for, like, how it seems like in episode 6 going on, Luce is going to be wearing Ida's jacket officially as, like, her new outfit. Or I think she still has her hoodie on underneath it, but, like, maybe they're waiting for them to change up character outfits. Because, like, also Lilith in that, uh, the next opening from next episode still has her old, like, low battery outfit compared to her 
current new outfit. Or maybe, I or mean... yeah, who knows? Maybe they aren't gonna do so again another time in season two, and they're waiting to the specials to do so. <laughs> yeah, no idea. But, uh, yeah, so uh, after these very abridged credits, we open on Willow exercising. Uh, we start with her doing sit-ups, and she's got Clover holding her feet, which seems inadvisable, <laughs> because the whole point of that is to have someone hold you down so your feet don't lift up. But Well, Clover is technically a block of wood, so maybe she's heavy enough, <laughs> even, though she, maybe. even though she totally just hangs out on Willow's shoulder later on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, I think don't the think real that. question is, do all palismans have the same super strength that Albert does? <laughs> Possibly. Again, they are wood. Yeah. And then she also does the thing where you whip big ropes, but she uses vines instead, of course, and jump ropes with one, and Clover's doing the spinning for her. It's cute. And there's a sort of a opening monologue about how getting into the plant track was just the first step, and how she can finally be the witch she wants to be, and she's gonna live her life. And then we cut to Hexside, where Luce and Gus are running from an animated locker. <laughs> and she's able to easily capture it by tying its legs down with vines as they hide behind her. Gus explains that this is why they don't keep their lunches in their lockers, which I personally think would have come up maybe the first day that <laughs> Luce went to school. But Yeah, especially because like, we also got that like uh, picture that Bump has from uh, Season 2, Episode 2, where it's Luce almost getting eaten by a locker. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so um redirecting from this almost immediately she's gotten very good at processing trauma in the moment i guess yep. uh luce is excited for the club fair and asks if willow is going to join the azura book club with amity and her but she declines because willow wants to start a flyers derby club and she plays a short video of stabatha jenkins and old gory playing and explains that she's been wanting to do this ever since the grudge match so we cut out to the club fair, where there a bunch of booths have been set up, and I'm sure I didn't catch all of them, but the ones I did get were Swimming Club, Art Club, Arts and Witchcrafts, Screech and Debate, Sculpting, but like skulls, mm. Casket Weaving, Brews and Stews, and the School Fear Book. <laughs> and also this naughty kid king fought on the playground in Escape of the Palismans is here just wandering around. Um, <laughs> I think we've seen him at Hexide before. I think he's in, like, the baby class. I think that is true, yes. Yeah. I don't believe that people in the baby class should qualify for clubs. That's just <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> or ba- um, are, you, are you claiming babies are not people <laughs> or something? <laughs> Especially because, like, we, that... we know that baby is, like, way more devious than plotting because, like, he's fully cognizant of what King was, like, trying to do at the playground. <laughs> like, he's not just a baby. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I just don't think babies are cognizant enough to be club members. But, yes. So, uh, Luce is trying to get people to join the book club, but she's not having very much luck, and Basha appears and claims that this is because the cover art is bad. Uh, Luce denies this, saying that you don't read Azura from, for the art. And uh, Basha starts reading the book out loud, and it is just absolute Edwardian nonsense. Like, yeah, it is exactly posturous. It is exactly as King was reading it way back in Convention, where he was like doing a bunch of yay, verily, Delphs for folk or whatever kind of things. 
where it's like, I remember when you like brought up like, is he doing that just to annoy you? Is that how the book is written? Turns out it's just how the book's written. <laughs> well, that's the weird part because there were we heard snippets of it in Lost in Language, and that was totally normal modern language. Mm-hmm. So. The best thing I can assume here is that one specific character talks like that and everyone else is normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it could be a Zora that talks normal and everybody else talks. Like, it's like an inversion of uh, Chrono Trigger where Frog is the only one in the, the Dark Ages that speaks in a yay verily kind of voice where it's everybody else is talking just normal. Like how they do I in, don't like, think the it is Azura is the thing. I think it's got to be Hecate because Azura, if you'll remember from the first episode, has her famous quote, eat yeah. my rocket sucker. Yeah, yeah, she says eat the sucker. Yeah, so it's like it might be, yeah. again, like I say, like she might be the only one that speaks in like normal modern day, like verbatim English or whatever, and everybody else speaks like yay verily forsooth or whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, um, so Luz says that the other reasons to read this book are the crackling emotion, the complex magic system, and the smell of the pages. And frankly, this is the most civil conversation Basha has ever had in her entire life. <laughs> uh, there is also a painting of a minion as the Mona Lisa in the next booth, and I hate it. Yep, I was going to bring it up in my <laughs> trivia. <laughs> um... Amity arrives, and she's all out of breath, and she's here to tell Luce that the author of Azura is doing a signing in town, which Luce is confused by because the author is human, which confuses Amity right back because apparently she thinks the author is from the demon realm. And when they compare them, the author pictures on the books are different, a human and a witch, respectively. So they sort of get the idea she might be able to go back and forth between worlds, since they each got books on their own respective worlds, and they just run off to the signing. And Basha claims that they're not cute as they run away, which, you know, patently Lies. untrue. Yes. <laughs> I mean, my note about this is early, these gays are so gay. <laughs> 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 which, very funny when you also consider that we get a glimpse of who's potentially Basha's moms, where it's like she might just be lashing out because her own moms are too lovey-dovey around each other, so she's just, like, annoyed that her, like, former friend and the weird human girl are also now being gay around each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when you're the only straight person on the whole island, you have to lash out somehow. (laughs) This is true. I mean, as we have seen so far, it's like everybody thinks uh, Gus and Metholomew will become canon at some point, too. So it's like, yeah, like, what character is straight in this whole show? Little states and Arrow? (laughs) Like, maybe Hootie is, like, the sole straight person besides Basha. Based oh, what on, a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, based on the fact that we have kind of established that Hootie has to have fucked at least once, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have, unfortunately. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, so uh, Amity and Luce run off, and Hunter appears disguised as a student and just kind of accosting people to join the Emperor's Coven. He doesn't have any success either because he's the world's biggest dork and thinks sleeping until 6 a.m. is a perk. Um <laughs> Even Gerbo has enough of a spine to stand up to him, saying that the coven is a bad way of doing things and he wants to grow up and update the system, which of course horrifies Hunter because he's never even thought to question anything before because, again, never had an original thought. Yeah. Um, and he's so busy freaking out about this that he steps on Puddles' tail. Uh, yes, that same Puddles from before, uh, Viney's Griffin nurse. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so Puddles tries to eat him right away. 
Uh, we cut away to Willow, who's trying to recruit for her team, but is stopped by Professor Homunculus, the abomination teacher from I Was a Teenage Abomination, who finally got a name. And he's got a weird pink abomination carrying him around. But he's also in charge of club, club approval this year, and he won't give Willow the nod because, uh... It's not because he doesn't like Flyer Derby, but because he doesn't like Willow. He's just a jerk, and he says that quitters don't make good team captains. Yeah, this is um, like a, this is like another instance where we get full confirmation that aside from Principal Bump, all the teachers at Hexi just suck other shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like this. This teacher has a fucking beef with a student that, by his own recognition, was not good at his subject. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, sure, great, cool guy. She went ahead and proved that she's way better at a different kind of magic and got transferred to a different class where she's been thriving. And all you can do, rather than feel good about her finding her path in life, is to be a salty bitch about it. (laughs) Yeah, really. I know that a lot of the time people will say in cases like this that it's because that they're upset that their teaching didn't work. And, like, they see it as a personal failure that their student didn't learn, but also, like, bro, you remember that class? Yeah, like, this guy was... You were going to give everybody detention if the next person didn't pass the test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, the next person at their validation sucked where everybody was going to get an F or whatever. And it's like, that's not good. That's not how you teach, my guy. (laughs) That is... It is not. Explicitly bad teaching habits. Like, you don't punish the entire class because one student is not good at the subject. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, he challenges her team to a, quote, friendly match after school, saying that if they win, he might approve their club, with really intense italics on that might. And, uh... Willow is actually disappointed about this, because Amity and Luz are busy right now, and she doesn't know where else to get players. But she does spot Hunter flying around trying to escape Puddles, who's still trying to eat him. (laughs) He is pretty good, but not as good as you might expect, because she is able to just use a vine to pull him out of the air and smash him through the ground. And I do mean through the ground. He, like, leaves drag marks in the stone. (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, like, I I saw that and I was like, well, didn't Willow just technically fuck up the ground? And it's like, well, there's also construction magic people, so they can easily fix what she's done, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also yeah. just gotta point out I like Hunter's stupid little red bird socks <laughs> like, <laughs> like in the promo picture that people saw with him there people thought that was actually his shoes just based on like one angle you only see like the one that has the shoe pulled off so people yeah. are like what the fuck kind of weird fucking little rascal shoes does this idiot have and it's like no it's actually his socks but at the same time I mean that's that's just gonna be something that's sold on the mystery check at one point right <laughs> maybe I mean, they think they say that they say that their uh, Amity plushie is like going on uh, on Saturday after the episode there, and there's going to be a few more things like they have the abomination skateboard in the works. So it's like I wouldn't yeah. put it past them to make the the owl the little like red bird socks. <laughs> well, I mean, the hexes hold them deck drop Saturday also, so yeah, yeah, fair does, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I wonder how. Because, like, it's common enough to wear clothes with patterns that look like your pet on them, but yeah. is that weird with a palisman? Does your palisman see that and <laughs> feel strange? <laughs> I mean, maybe, considering that we do know palisman are, like, way more cognizant of their existence than, like, regular pets are. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like they're, they're like, I mean, they they are basically like uh, familiars from D and D. Like they are like cognizant and can like communicate with their like partner and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, more so even because a normal familiar in D and D only can fr- communicate emotions, not like words. And he talks to Rascal basically all the time. Seems to understand them perfectly. Huh, maybe maybe we played that differently because there was definitely a point where my owl familiar was speaking to me with words when we were having like. We were doing, like, a session where we were, like, trying to do, like, an anti-heist, where we were trying to prevent a heist from <laughs> happening at, like, a big, like, party of, like, nobles or whatever. And, oh, like, yeah, that's not in the book. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe we played it differently then, because, like, it, or maybe my GM was just, like, being like, oh, this is, like, the vibe you get from him, because, like, he definitely did just be like, well, Chloe, you're gonna make me have, uh, like, make a voice for your owl for once, so fuck it, and he just did the moody <laughs> voice. And, like, from then on, we were just established my <laughs> my familiar whenever I summoned him with the uh, the wild-shaped uh, option to use that to cast my familiar instead. It was just, yep, he's just moody oh. officially. <laughs> okay, well, maybe it's different then, because, like, warlocks do get a familiar that talks, and I wasn't aware that this was a special druid thing, so maybe that Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing that was introduced in uh, Tasha's. But, like, it's basically just, like, you can, like, spend the use of Wild Shape to cat, to have a familiar for, like, the same duration of Wild Shape. So it's, like, still, like, hmm. half your druid level, so, like, max of 10 hours at a time. But I, I, don't, I don't think it's any different. Like, I don't know. Okay. I'm curious well, to actually a look normal at familiar doesn't talk, but there are some weird ones, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, the spell itself just says, while your familiar is within 100 feet of you, you can communicate with it telepathically. Like, it doesn't say anything about, like, you only get, like, vibes from it. <laughs> that must have been errata then, because back when it came out, that was a big deal. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, maybe they've changed it since then. Because, like, I mean, yeah, I'm just on the Roll20's description, because, like, they have, like, a list of, like, the basic spells from the Player's Handbook. And they yeah, say, so, yeah, it's, like, just talks to you telepathically, so maybe that's why. Yeah, I guess. Yep. We definitely, we definitely had fun with that because it was like just in the background like oh yeah Hootie's just like shouting nonsense at Raylan all the time just like Hootie actually does and unfortunately she's the only one that can hear him so it's just in her head she's just hearing Hootie yell at her all the time about nonsense and her just being like oh god please make it stop this owl is useful with giving advantage and everything and being eyes and ears but at the same time oh god it's a fucking nonsense owl now <laughs> <laughs> he didn't stretch, he was just a normal owl, but it was... We canonically changed his token to say Hootie, so it's, like, close enough. <laughs> well, goodness me. Yep. That wasn't my choice, that was the GM. He decided to use the Hootie <laughs> voice when he spoke of him, so that's on him. That's on Mark, that ain't me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um... Let's see... Sorry, you were at the point where uh, Willow grabbed him with a vine. Yes, yes. Uh, so she saw him flying and wants him to join the team. Uh, he introduces himself as Caleb Jasper Blood Williams, who is a transfer student from the Toes. But he says he doesn't have time for the game because he's on a mission. Until he sees that the flyer will attract the best and the brightest, and then he's all in. Um, he does ask how they'll evaluate the players, suggesting a duel, a maze full of traps, or leaving them on top of a mountain and seeing who survives the trip down. But she says no to all that. She just wants him to fly well and attract people. <laughs> so she walks away, and Gus gets a little serious, warning him how much this means to Willow and not to mess it up. This is real intense, Gus. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've it, seen this side of him before. It's good, it's intense, Gus, but it's also good guy, Gus. Like, he's being a good friend where he's like, yeah, it's been a really kind of shit year for Willow up till recently. Yeah. 
So don't fuck this up, asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, back in Bonesboro proper, uh, Luce comments that uh, Mildred Featherwile was always too delightful to be a real name. She's just really excited that they might find something. And the two of them sort of speculate a lot about who the author might be, including Ida, Camilla, and just someone else with a portal door. But when they get to the bookshop, the signing has been cancelled, which... Bum, bum, bum. I just like that the B-plot of this episode is really just dunking on the silliest of dumb fan theories. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, I remember this was, like, a thing that came up a lot with people being like, who the hell is Azura? Is she an actual witch? Is she, like, loose from the future somehow? Like, trying to help her pass self out by writing these books? Is this yeah. Ida? Is it Kamiya, who's secretly a witch? Is this, like, some other nonsense? And it's like, no, this is... It's just very funny that the B-plot becomes, what the fuck are you all talking about? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Willow draws a big crowd out to the front of the school and starts recruiting and handing out flyers as Hunter puts on a pretty good air show. Uh, they get recruits pretty fast. Um, it's Viney, who's still struggling to keep puddles under control. Uh, Skara, who's face-deep in Pentagram, and Gus, who's just flying backwards and crashing constantly. Uh, Willow is excited to be leading a team, because uh, she would have been the weak link on any team just a few months ago, but Hunter has already wandered off. He is mad that the team isn't as good as he expected, calling them pathetic, and Willow insists that he gives them a chance, but he says that chances have to be earned where he comes from, and tries to walk off. And Till Willow full-on graboids him into the ground. <laughs> yeah, she just... I feel like she's, like, learned a bit based on, like, potentially Luce and Amity told her about how Terra can, like, teleport herself around with plants, because, like, that's straight up what she does, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's not as extravagant, and it's, like, more just, like, pulling him into the ground to spin him out somewhere else, but it's close enough. Yeah, he pops back out on the field, and it's, like... I can't tell if this is a literal teleport or if she is just tunneling under the ground and then forcing him up through yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably tunneling, to be fair. I mean, I, I kind of got that sense that that's what Terra does too, rather than just popping up wherever in a different plant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, it's, it's more like the physical dr drilling through the ground more than just casting a transport via plant. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird thing, because Willow's going to do it herself in a few seconds, and she doesn't pop out of a plant or anything she just bursts through the ground face first <laughs> yeah I, yeah <laughs> who can say again we are overanalyzing the magic in a series that is not supposed to be overanalyzing it in. it at least <laughs> makes sense unlike the bad series <laughs> which yeah. uh it's so good to see that movie fucking tank and eat shit <laughs> <laughs> potentially getting it cancelled <laughs> yeah uh, good shit um, yeah, so on the field, Scar introduces herself and apologizes for, apologizes for being distracted before, because she was just going over the new Flyer Derby meta. <laughs> uh, similarly, Viney has gotten Puddles down for a nap and just instantly heals herself of all her claw wounds, and Gus is surfing his staff all over the place. Apparently he can surf fly, but not just regular fly. It's very weird. Yeah, um, this, is, this is actually kind of hinted at based on, uh, it was like around Christmas, I want to say, when Dana put out uh, a bit of art of, like, Willow and Gus flying on their staffs, like, kind of past Hunter, and mm -hmm. it's like, it definitely was that Hunter was definitely, like, surfing on it, it's like, oh, she hinted at it. <laughs> <God damn> it. 
yeah, so Willow just bursts out of the ground full-on monster style, extolling the team's virtues, and she brings out the green face paint after Hunter admits that he doesn't think that they're pathetic anymore. But um, outside the bookstore, Luce is upset because they lost their lead, and Amity says she doesn't know how else to find Mildred, because this is the only store that sells Azura books. But much like the abominable cutie pie, she's right over there. Um, <laughs> the second Mildred realizes she's been spotted, she runs, so Luce and Amity give chase. Um, we cut to Hunter calling Darius on a crow phone to report that he's found some incredible recruits, and Darius is just utterly exasperated because he didn't think Hunter would actually do this, and he just wanted to be left alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the teams line up, and the Homunculus's pink abomination is the referee, which seems very unfair. Yeah, definitely one-sided. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jerbo is on the professor's team, which gets Viney really riled up. She calls him a traitor, but we don't see why. I mean, it's, um, it's, I think it's more just because he happens to be on a different side than her when they are friends. But I mean, <laughs> again, she does do the straight up, like, doing like the motion across her throat of like slitting his throat kind of deal. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, well, it's like, hey, too bad I have Gerbo's voice actor listed in the trivia because, uh, I mean, Viney definitely murdered that boy after this episode. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, just in case, if he happens to still not die, just like Tibble survived somehow, I do have him on there. <laughs> just like Tibbles. I actually have a note here being like, should I have written down the name of Professor Homunculus's voice actor? Because A, he showed up again, and B, got a name. I did not, though, because that guy is like even less important than Finding Jerbo. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, so they play the game. I'm not going to do a big play-by-play, -play because that would be pretty boring, but what it breaks down to is that Hunter's Teleport and Willow's Vines are just ridiculously useful. To the point that Homunculus gets knocked out of the game and then starts cheating. <laughs> Which he, of course, doesn't get called on because his abomination is the ref. Yeah. Um, eventually, Hunter is the last one on the green team standing, but thanks to a previously made team play, he has all of the opposing flags and is able to put them on the score tree thing. Because in this game, you have to steal your opponent's flags and then hang them on the goal. So, uh, yeah. Weirdly, there is no mysterious bird that you can catch to instantly win the game, even though we were told that's in every yeah, wizard yeah, sport. Yeah, they established it's in every one, and there's none here. So may yeah. maybe whoever designed Flyer Derby actually was sensible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Hunter puts all these flags on the score tree and comes back to Earth, at which point Viney douses him with... It would be Kool-Aid on Earth, but I want to say it's probably some sort of blood. It's I mean, let's yeah, be real it's... here. <laughs> It's definitely some sort of blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could just be apple blood, for all we know. It's possible. Um, so Homunculus asks what their team name is, which they don't have, but Hunter suggests the Emerald Entrails because, there's gr because they are green and because there's more to them than you think, which is very poorly reasoned, but sure, why not? Um, he's really excited about the game and thanks them for giving him another chance, and... Viney's still hating on Jerbo, saying that she's got an opening for a new friend. <laughs> yeah, and like Jerbo does the whole like he acts like his like he's been stabbed in the heart or something. That based on his reaction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, poor boy. Definitely dead. Never coming back. I kind of got the sense that something else had happened off screen rather than it just being because he was on the other team, but it's hard to but say for sure. Potentially, but yeah, it's like, again, we haven't had as much time to really, like, return the characters like them a bit. 
Because again, yeah, exactly. very surprising that they actually showed up here as like characters that were voiced. Because like the last time we saw Viney, she had like two sentences in season two, episode six, and Gerbo was present but said nothing. <laughs> and for some reason, Barkus wasn't there, so I guess Barkus doesn't get a palisman. Well, Barkus went to join the poker club, and he's <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need a, I don't need a palisman. I'm here just to gamble. <laughs> yes, indeed. I mean, yeah, actually, he makes prophetic potions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't need a palisman if he can just cheat at gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so at this point, Hunter suggests that the next time they play, they'll all be part of the Emperor's Coven, and he reveals who he is and gives him his real name and puts on his costume, and Willow does recognize him, at least once he says his name, but a bunch of the EC guards just show up out of the woods because apparently Darius sent them to collect Hunter's recruits. And he's thrilled that there won't be a delay with branding them and taking them away from their friends and family forever. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't go well. There's a commercial break, and when we reopen, they are in jail, with Hunter putting their staffs in the corner. Uh, apparently, Scara punched Steve, so they have to be locked up. <laughs> poor, poor Steve. I, I just, again, I cannot help but think, like, with how much they're actually making Steve more of a character, that they're setting up Steve to die <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, because, like, Steve was, like, really not a character back in Season 1, and then, like, he got referenced in uh, Eclipse Lake, but then showed up again two episodes in a row here. Yeah. And we know that he's going to show up at least once more because he's in his, like, Steve shirt with, like, riding a motorcycle or something. <laughs> Based on that one promo, which is like, I don't know what the fuck is going on there. It's like, why, why is Steve suddenly more important? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, I don't know. We'll see at the end of this episode, maybe something going on with Steve. So that would explain Pot a couple Potentially, things. yeah, Steve might also be in on it all. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, so, um. Hunter doesn't really understand why they're all so upset, because they're going to be joining the best coven, and they get to keep all their magic, and they get one day off a year, and it's great. And uh, he knows that they'll like it because they're friends now. And uh, Gus says that friends don't stab each other in the back, but apparently the coven heads do it all the time, so that must be how friends work. <laughs> yep. This poor kid. <laughs> yeah, the, the, again, poor fucking Hunter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like... He, he does not know how to teenager at all. <laughs> he doesn't even know how to person. I mean, the Covenant yeah, aren't exactly much. normal people. <laughs> no, but, like, I mean, even... Like, they at least are, like, more sensible and can, like, have conversations with people compared to Hunter. <laughs> I don't know. Can they? We've seen enough of Terra by now that... <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, Terra's just a psychopath, it's the thing, like, she can at least, like, can, like, she's, she's able to, like, actually, like, run events, though, is the thing. Just like how, like, I mean, <clears throat> Rain can run some stuff, too. And, like, I mean, like, we see, like, Darius is able to, like, be trusted with, like, dealing with, like, in, like, traitors and stuff. So it's, like, yeah. they can be trusted to do stuff, but, like, Hunter is just, like, a lot of people are even just, like, ah, this, this fucking kid, what the fuck is he going to do now? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, Willow is very upset because she thought she could be good at captaining, but now, because she made a bad call, they're all in jail. And uh, a big abomination hand comes out of nowhere and scoops them up, which deposits them on Darius's airship, which... 
It's it's a, unclear again, but this seems like a lot more directly a teleport, which is interesting yeah. for Abomination. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, we, we did see this with uh, when the other bats were taken and thrown into the conformatorium, which was nowhere around when they were ambushed. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like, this definitely seems like it's way more of a, like, straight-up teleport, teleport. Unless it's, like, again, like, the goob just, like, dissolves into the ground and, like, just, I guess, turns them into, like, subatomic particles and stuff like that before reconstituting them wherever they go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you yeah, can say. I, I truly could not tell you. I just, teleporting is such a weird power to give to abominations, specifically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess of, like, all the different nine cupmans, it's, like, the one that... I guess actually, like, Oracle would make more sense, right? Because it's, like, more about, like, predicting things. So it's, like, yeah, if you can predict, like... Like, say you're in, like, combat, you can predict where, like, people are going to be so you can teleport to get in the right position or something. Yeah, or, like, tesseracting or something. We just talked about that last episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Hunter follows to brag about finding new recruits, and Darius just snarks about being made to work on his day off before giving Hunter his cloak back. And Hunter asks if he can wear it proudly now, at which point Darius just responds, can you, before taking off. This kid, again, never an original thought. Nope. So but that's going to gonna change pretty soon, though. <laughs> yep. So desperate to please and then ends up fucking up even more. Yes. So Steve leaves the building, uh, saying that he does not envy the kids. And Hunter just says that they they only need to go through basic training. It's not that bad, but apparently it is comprised of duels, mazes full of traps, and getting left on a mountain and seeing who survives the trip down, all that stuff, you know. And yeah, it does not faze him even slightly, but when Steve reminds him that Bellos takes everyone's palisman, he suddenly has a flashback to Bellos eating a palisman. And uh, Steve walks off saying that he's beginning to regret his choices, and Hunter thinks, yeah, he might be too. So if Steve does not like being in the coven anymore, I feel like this probably explains the leather jacket and motorcycle look. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Like, I mean, for all we know, Steve might uh, turn traitor and hang out with the owl crew more or something. That is my say. thought, yes. Yeah. I if also he does, just... I really hope he takes that mask off. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that, like, Steve is still like such a weirdo that he refers to himself in the third person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like again, like I remember this. I think this is something we mentioned before that it's like a lot of the Emperor's Coven guards might just be clones. Because again, like we kind of get the just that like clones are a thing with this franchise with Hunter's whole deal. So yeah. like maybe maybe the EC the regular EC guards are just like all the same guy, and it's like they don't have individuality, which is why Steve always calls himself Steve rather than <laughs> I or me. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, so we uh, we cut to Luce and Amity chasing Mildred along the beach, and she is just remarkably evasive, dodging all their magic and blasting holes in abominations, and they kind of guess that it might be Kikimura or another basilisk, but eventually she just runs into a cliff and her cloak falls off. This is Tanella Noza on stilts, and apparently that is Tiny Noza's real name, which is a shock to Luce. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> bigger question how the hell does Amity know who Tiny Nose is to the point where like I mean Tiny Nose is in a jail cell till the day uh, Luce arrived at the Boiling Alice so it's like in like the four months since Amity apparently has gotten to know Tiny Nose somehow well she's a best selling author now remember I, I guess but it's like I mean 
Yeah, I guess there was that. And but everybody like, works mean, in the library. Fair. I mean, yeah, this actually tracks. So I guess for some reason, Luce and King just haven't bothered to like pay attention to her like being this like famous author and get so they just don't know her actual name. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she takes them back to a cave where they find Tibbles. Um, Matholomew brings in a stack of books saying very clearly for the camera that he edited the author photos in case we thought there might be a good reason for all of this. But um, yeah, so Tibble says that he found a box of Azura books washed up on the shore about a year ago, but nobody is buying them. Apparently only one person has ever bought them, and that's Amity. <laughs> yeah, I... I... Not only the fact that, like, I do like that Amity's just absolutely embarrassed that she's the only one that likes these books on the aisles besides Luz, but, like, it's such a weird assortment of characters to be running this scam. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's so weird. Like, I feel like they were, like, this might be, like, they were, like, we had to put Mathalmu in at least once more or some deal, so it's, like, here he is. And also, I guess maybe they're like, yeah, who can we have that's like would be able to like pretend to be this author? I guess Tiny knows it's close enough, kind of deal. I mean, obviously, <laughs> like Tib Tibbles running a scam is definitely like the right choice, considering that Tibbles yeah. is an idiot. <laughs> well, but the it, weird it, part it's... about it, to me at least, is that so this scam has been going for a year, and they've sold four books total. Yeah. So why again, is Mythologia still offering more of them? Yeah, like, Amity has not procured uh, her own version of the fifth book because it hasn't arrived in the Demon Realm yet. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah, because yeah. they, they came over a year ago. So my point here, though, is, like, why is Mytholomew making more? You would think they would have given up on this by this point. <laughs> yeah, if they sold exactly four books in the course of a year. <laughs> and beyond that, why did they set up an author signing in the first place? <laughs> It, probably because they were like trying to get more people to potentially buy the books and they're like oh a famous author is here i guess i'll check out their book because i haven't read them yet kind of deal i guess i don't know it's just i mean again a we have very established, weird scam we have established tibbles is an idiot <laughs> yes yes indeed he's like he's very much he's like the fucking nft bros where they're like oh this will pay off in dividends eventually and it's like fast flash forward to now where so many of them are like i owe over a hundred thousand dollars to the irs because turns out <laughs> when we try to make our own money through like an uncertified and unregulated system, it fucking over long term. Oh no, who could have predicted this? Everybody with a brain. <laughs> <laughs> they stole my apes. Um... God, yeah, the fuck. <laughs> All the times I see people edit the fucking ape escape artwork to have that whole "I've lost all my apes, my apes are gone" tweet is just amazing. <laughs> God, yeah. Crypto Bros taking an L is like one of the best Twitter accounts. <laughs> it truly, truly is. But yeah, so um, Tibbles kind of mocks them a little bit. Uh, because they thought they were going to find something important, and, you know. <laughs> Again, talking directly to the audience here, I feel more than that and loose. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> it's very rude, honestly, but then yeah. he just destroys him with a single abomination punch, so that's okay. Yeah. So now, do you think Tibbles is gone permanently from the show, for the rest of the show? <laughs> Um, again, honestly, we were pretty sure know. he we were pretty sure he got eaten by his animals in the previous time he showed up. 
What's and the yet thing? He's still he here. straight up died last time. And we were pretty back. sure. Yeah, we were pretty sure he had died. And it's like, nope, he's still here. I mean, he's definitely not dead from this. I feel because like, <laughs> god damn it, the fucking my guy would just like, god damn it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah. But I mean, like, we don't like. He's definitely not dead, even though I mean, he definitely like punched him through a wall or something. But it's like, if he survives attacking, like having those animals attack him, he's definitely not dead from this. But like at the same time, he's such a minor, unimportant character that I don't think they would bring him back again for a fourth time. Yeah. Thanks. That's the weird part, because, like, I don't think he would come back. I, I don't see a reason he would. There's not enough episodes for it. And yet, they brought him this, back this clearly one, yeah. isn't enough to kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, he is an immortal god who needs to be, like, completely eradicated from the universe to finally kill him. Yeah. And, no so... and only Hootie has that power. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> but um yes so hunter chases after darius who we see just browsing his pentagram feed and it's rain showing off their instruments and lilith showing off fancy new ink and alador showing off the abomadon 2.5 and darius just seems really bored uh scar and willow do try to get their palismans out of a cage where they're held but darius just kind of whaps them with abomination hand saying that they need to be more clever than that at which point, Hunter teleports in and just shouts in his face. <laughs> Way and more course, clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when he's distracted, they use that distraction to jump off the side of the ship. Because, you know, reasonable actions. Except it's an illusion. When Hunter and Darius were watching them fall, they sneak behind them to get to the controls and then crash the ship. At which point they get their palisans back and run, but are stopped by an enormous abomination. Because Darius is upset that they endangered a covenhead, and menaces them with a gross sickle arm. They don't really fight back at all. It's, it's kind of the thing we've seen a couple times now, where extremely competent characters just kind of stand around for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's really more like Willow's trying to like put vines between them and him, and it's like, he has a fucking sword arm, Willow. <laughs> Like yeah, like yeah, like have you not seen like anybody with like a machete trying to explore the jungle or something kind of thing? I guess maybe that fiction doesn't exist in the Boiling Alice, but like, it's just plants and a, you know, sharp metal <laughs> weapon. Obviously, it's not gonna stand up. Yeah, but yeah, so he gets right up close to them and he's acting like he's about to stab them with the scythe, or I guess possibly decapitate them. That's how scythes work. But Hunter puts himself between Darius and the entrails, saying that he was mistaken, and that these four are agitators, unfit for coven service, and also that he's not fit to wear that sigil. Uh, he basically begs them to go, and Willow marshals them all out, saying that they need to find a replacement, because it'll be 52 weeks before Caleb can play again, which also confirms 52 weeks to a Boiling Isles year, which we did have some questions about back during Lost in yeah, Language, that, but that's fair. it's resolved yeah. now. But also, <laughs> there's the fact that, like, when Willow says this, Hunter has a little blush, which, of course, was all the food people needed to ship Huntlow, a.k.a. Willow, or, uh, Winter. <laughs> Cause there's yeah, Winter there, is yeah. better. <laughs> Winter sounds better, but I definitely have seen Huntlow a lot more. Can't imagine why. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things where it's like people let it's kind of like how people uh, latched on to a uh, Kate Vi and not uh, violin 
for Kane Vi from uh, Arcane for some reason, and it's like, but violin is right there. It's much better yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, Darius sort of looms ominously, upset that Hunter befriended the entrails and then betrayed him to protect them, and it seems like it's going to go very bad, but actually he's impressed. Hunter is 16, and this is the first time he's talked to anyone his own age, not counting that adventure with Luce the other week. And it just immediately caused him to do a treason. <laughs> because fascist ideology doesn't hold up in the face of, uh, you know, life. Yep. But um, Darius says that he was just going to drop these kids off at Hexside, which is not the mood we got a second ago when he was threatening to kill them with a scythe. But... I, I, I feel like his initial plan is if they just cooperated on the ship, he would just drop them off the next side, and then they endangered the Covenhead by crashing the ship, so his plan kind of got a bit changed. He probably he probably still was just like acting and just being like, ah, eh, what the fuck ever, go away, kids, <laughs> kind of deal. Like yeah. yeah, he's the kind of guy who's about drama enough to... <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, he is literally the head of the grossest form of magic when he's so obsessed with staying clean. He literally <laughs> lives for drama. <laughs> um, but yes, so um, apparently, he, in his opinion at least, there are too many adverse coven recruits at this point, which does kind of bring up the question of why there was supposed to be a recruitment meeting this morning if there's too many recruits, but whatever, that's not my problem. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Bureaucracies the, the, be bureaucracies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Derek had said, it's his opinion that they have too many. So it's like, they may or may not, but then in, in, in his opinion, he's like, eh, we have enough, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Again, he's working on the inside, <laughs> he's trying to fuck up everything for Pelos in the long term. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing this intentionally. So, he's not uh, a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter asks if Darius is going to tell Bellos about all of this, at which point Darius does kind of note that he's also aware of Little Rascal. And he says that, magic or not, uh, Hunter will make his predecessors proud. So, yeah, this is where we get confirmation. I think that there were more than one previous Golden Guard, because I'm fairly sure he says predecessors, plural. Yeah, I, th I think he did say predecessors, yeah. And also he uses abomination magic to resew Hunter's awful back patch. <laughs> yep. Which, again, we, we question how it is that abomination magic can teleport people around, but we're not really poking about, like, how the fuck does it sew stuff? <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to accept that abomination magic can sew stuff, because I feel like it could probably go in and out in a reasonable pattern, you know, just yeah, punch I holes suppose. with little spikes. Yeah. Sure, but I could buy that. at the same time, I don't know where it got the thread. <laughs> Yeah, there is that question. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we cut to Luce and Amity walking on the beach, talking about how they're not really disappointed that they didn't find anything. Luce says it's nice to be reminded that you don't have to be a powerful ancient witch to make something special, and Amity agrees, but says she had a fun time with their wild theorizing, which gives Luce the idea to make the Azura Book Club also a writing club. They spot the entrails on the beach, where Willow notes that Hunter has just made a pentagram, and then makes fun of how slow he types. Um, and then she brags to Luce and Amity about their winning game, and shows them the team selfie, and we close on Amity and Luce's exclamation of shock when they see Hunter in the picture. The end. It, it's very funny also because like one of the promo pictures for season 2B was that shot of Luce and Amity being starred on something, and everybody was like, 
theorizing that it's gonna be something major, and it's like, oh, it's just a fucking selfie of Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of the most minor things that they could, uh, freak out about, and, like, everybody was like, oh, no, this is gonna be, like, them having, like, a really bad, like, moment in their relationship or something, and it's like, no, it's just because Hunter was there. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, to be fair, if they didn't go and, like, try to find the Azura book author, they would have spoiled this entire fucking episode immediately by just being like, wait, that's fucking Hunter. <laughs> Which I guess it's I guess it's pretty funny that like they both have like talked about their run-ins with the Golden Guard, but never described him. <laughs> like yeah, never like never fair. like yeah, it's like only like Luce, Amity, Ida, and King actually knew what he looked like out of the like the main group of characters until this bit where it's like they were like yeah we met the Golden Guard, but they never actually said like yeah he's kind of a dork. <laughs> yeah, well the other thing is I think is of those Luce is the only one who actually has the ability to show what he looks like to anybody else because i don't think ida or king or amity can draw right well no amity does doodle sometimes so yeah she, she does various doodles of herself as azura and whatnot <laughs> and casting magic star beam <laughs> i mean it's like at the same time they have fucking magic phones they can take that can take <laughs> pictures like at one point they could have taken like I i'm sure ida has definitely some selfies of when hunter was tied up of her making fun of him Eclipse, like, <laughs> she absolutely Maybe. has those. <laughs> also, we're finding out I do especially like that uh, Ida seems to have had to make a second Pentagram account because it seems like Rain blocked her with her normal one. Because like her old <laughs> her original handle is like Bad Girl Coven or something like that, where she's now using the Owl Lady on Pentagram yeah. trying to like beg Rain to re like return her calls. <laughs> <laughs> Also, yeah. I, I also just really like that Lilith, of course, made hers be, like, a ink review channel. <laughs> like, YouTube doesn't exist in the Boiling House, but she would definitely be the person that makes an ink review channel that gets, like, two views, and she's excited the one time it gets, like, double digits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, uh... I, I don't know how yeah. much ink review there is going on. That's... I don't know how much there is to review ink. I mean, it's probably, like, the good, like, consistency and, like, the, uh, if it can, like, paint uniformly rather than, like, being all watery and stuff. I don't know. I don't paint stuff. <laughs> I'm <laughs> thinking of what it could possibly be, but at the same time, Lilith is definitely the sort of person that would be excited about it because she was excited about fucking fences or whatever it was back in the previous episode. <laughs> Ballisters, thank you. Ballisters. It, it, it's, like, <laughs> it's like fucking fencing on, like, uh, uh handrail or whatever basically <laughs> yeah. she is a dork and she would be excited about this stuff oh i guess it's like fits enough just gets about the episode itself have you seen the theory for why hunter picked the name caleb uh no i can't say that i have so if you look closely at that point when he's trying to think of a name we actually see little rascal chirp which like he like kind of says caleb like questioning before he like decides on caleb people think that little rascal told him to say caleb and the, then that spiraled into people like oh is like is caleb the name of philip's brother and like yeah little rascal is like oh obviously this guy reminds me of my previous owner caleb i'll tell him to say the word the name caleb <laughs> yep so people came up with that theory for why the name caleb matters at all <laughs> but again these are also the same sort of people that are like, definitely Azura is a real witch, and it's loose from the future, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's... this at least is more 
believable to me. Yeah, it's like definitely a thing where it's like if like if Little Rascal was trying to help him out on the spot, it's like first being that pops into his head, the previous person that he was a partner with, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I think that's all for that one that I have, unless you have anything else. I do not. I try to cover everything inside the episode, so... <laughs> yeah, fair. That's what I do with my synopsis, too. Okay, uh, then I guess we're all ready for trauma, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you cry at this episode again when you rewatched it? <laughs> um, I haven't, actually. Uh, in any of made, the watchings. You were made of way stronger stuff than me. I've watched it up to three times and I've cried at every single time of it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, season two, episode 14 is Reaching Out, which starts with the straight shortest episode uh, opening that we've had yet. I think it's like exactly like 10 seconds long, because it's just Luce waking up to an event reminder from with to spend like an, uh, some sort of like event with her mom on her phone. And we see that she's actually like found a way to keep her phone charged by feeding the cable into a jar of electric flies, because she can't just sneak a cord through the portal door anymore, obviously. Yeah, I do appreciate that little detail. Yeah, it's like one of those like goofy things, like how there was that early episode of Amphibia, where it's like, Hot Pops drained the battery watching Survival Island, or whatever the hell it was, and now we have to go on an adventure to find these like lightning bugs to charge it to 10,000%, so it's never a problem anymore. So it's like, yeah, it's like a little, like, goofy little thing of like, yeah, this is how she's been doing it for like the last couple of months, not having access to her normal charging method. It's like, yeah, it's it's at least like a little bit interesting that they actually go ahead and all it's like, okay, here's how she's been using it, even though, realistically, she probably hasn't needed to use her phone a whole lot in the couple of months since. <laughs> she has no internet so anymore, so it's like, what does her phone accomplish anymore these days? But yeah, she stares at the screen, sadly, and presses the ignore prompt, and then she just, like, sums forward a bit, uh, in, like, a little bit of a bummed-out state. And we cut to the opening, which isn't abbreviated, but, like I said, still has Willow's old hairstyle and Willow's old outfit. So, who knows if they update that at some point. <laughs> but afterwards, Ida and King peek into the living room to see Luce busy with an impossible-to-complete list of tasks for the day, including building a new portal door, learning every single glyph combination, and discovering what Bellis is up to and kicking his ass. And this demonstrates that she's already at least, like, made progress on one thing, because she discovered a new uh, safety hover combo, which she uses by, like, throwing Francois with it attached, so it's like he doesn't, like, just hit the ground. But then again, he's also the fluffy bunny toy, so it doesn't matter. Uh, this is gonna be a weird note, and I'm sorry to take it this direction, but I really like this about this episode is that she's having to, like, trial and error her glyphs combos here. Um, because, like, one of the things that always bothered me about the Bad Wizard Boy books is just how remarkably convoluted and specific stuff was. Yeah. Like, one of the spells you learn, in order to learn it, you have to keep a specific leaf under your tongue for a month, and then after that, until the next thunderstorm. And it's just like, who could have possibly figured this out? I don't because remember that. It, what's what's part, what spell is that? This is how you become an animagus. Um, what the fuck? That's definitely yeah. not in the books. Yeah, so you have to keep this leaf under your tongue for a month, and then until the next thunderstorm. And also, you have to cast a specific incantation every single day. And then on the night of that thunderstorm, you also drink a potion and cast the incantation for one final time. 
that's how you become an animagus yeah that's books that's definitely not in the books <laughs> which at least hey if it was i would actually appreciate it a bit because it would actually explain how they figured out how to become fucking animals rather than taking two levels of druid obviously <laughs> but it's like <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean i get it but like within that magic system how in the world does one person figure yeah. out i like, need to hold yeah. this specific plant in my mouth for a month yeah exactly <laughs> Like this and would then never until be... the next thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah, this would never be a thing anybody would ever figure out, ever. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. with the potions, for instance, there's notations in Half-Blood Prince where you have to stir it six ways this direction, and then Snape discovers that, oh no, you actually do three in this direction, and then one in the other direction. Yeah, like, like, like how did what? Snape, like, yeah, yeah, how did Snape at, like, age 16 or whatever figure out a better way of making these potions than the people who wrote the official fucking book. Well, not even that, but just, like, how does... Who comes up with six stirs in this direction specifically in the first place? It just does not make any yeah, sense. Like, yeah, you would need say. to have obsessive focus and thousands of hours to discover anything. Yeah, and you wouldn't a... know what it did. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of trial and error and tons of bodies on the side of the road trying to experiment for all this stuff to figure out what's the best way of making a slightly better version of whatever posted was already established. Exactly. Yeah. But it's I dumb. mean, what I'm getting at is that I like that we're actually seeing that with Luce and it's not yeah. just random nonsense that's yeah, taken like, as like, a given. Yeah. Like I, I do like that. We also see a little bit more of this in the next episode when she's actually experimenting with like more like partially completed glyph combos from uh, Philip's diary yeah. where it's like, okay, like some of it's already there. I just got to like figure out what goes like what's in the other spot and like, I do like that a lot of the uh, experiments she comes up with are definitely things that are a little bit reminiscent to what Bellows did in the season one finale. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there next week. We'll talk about them. But yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, basically, like, after she shows off that, she also shows off, like, her second door progress, which is really just Hootie trying to, like, cram a bunch of wood together with tape and it just falls apart. So it's not going that great compared to her new little combo. Uh, Luz also shows up that she air quotes borrowed Edith's pentagram because Willow gave her Hunter's contact info where she unsuccessfully tries to get him to like give her deets about Bellos, but he just refuses because like it's very funny that it's like she phrases like, Hey, are you good now? You can tell me if Bellos is evil. It's good. It's okay. It's whatever. And then he's like, Leave me alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> accidentally sends her a picture of a uh, little rascal. He's like, Oh, sorry, wrong person. And like, obviously, he was trying to send the picture of him to Willow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Eden can clearly see that Luce is avoiding something. And after a bit, she does admit that she's just sad that she's not present for like little annual ritual she does with her mom. So, Ethan and Kane try to, like, cheer up and say, like, hey, you know what would be helpful for you? Breakfast. So they go to start breakfast, and before Luce joins them, Amity pops in with a of her own, which Luce is stoked about, because Amity says it could distract them for the whole day. So <laughs> we get a little flashback to, like, earlier today, where Amity wanted her dad to take her to the Bonesboro Brawl, and he refuses because uh, Emperor's, tryout uh, Emperor's Coven tryouts are the same day, and he had arranged for an automaton to make sure she gets there. Uh, cutting back, Emily says that she doesn't actually want to go to Coven tryouts anymore, and instead wants to win the belt like he did. But he's... 
Okay, sorry, this is actually turned to last like still. Uh, but yeah, uh, he says that she, she shouldn't goof off like he did in his youth, and that he just basically sends her away, being like, you're welcome, goodbye, kind of deal. <laughs> but yeah, then then he admits to Luz that she doesn't even want to join any coven anymore, and that she wants to join the brawl, like, as well, kind of later on understand it's, like, a way that she's trying to, like, understand her dad, because her dad doesn't really do a whole lot in the family anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, she says it's, like, the one cool thing he did before he got old and joined the coven. <laughs> Uh, Luz, of course, is all for Amity ditching the tryouts and her possibly using her victory in it to try to convince her dad that she doesn't want to join the covenant anymore. So, Amity uses a voice changing spell that I would love to know to send the Abomination of Wild Gucci uh, finding a rare emerald dagger from the night market. Uh, yeah. So, at the yeah. brawl. Hmm? I'm actually a little curious about this. I kind of thought the night market was only open at night, but I guess not, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's possible that maybe it's, like, I mean, it's kind of, like, more, like, early evening by the time that, like, the episode ends, so it's, like, by the time that guy shows up again, it's, like, well, he might have actually, like, maybe the night market opens at, like, 5 in the evening, and it's, like, he just found it immediately by luck and shows up still in the <laughs> early evening to there. Yeah, I don't know. But yes. Uh, at the brawl, it seems like N and M just, like, showed up to it on their own anyway. I don't think they actually, like, tagged along the family, considering they weren't with her when she went to the Owl House, uh, along with, like, uh, Ed's pet, pet, bat, Patrick from Adventures in the Elements. Patrick's finally back. <laughs> he actually <laughs> kept that bat rather than trying to eat it. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad he didn't eat that bat. Yeah. And, yeah, they applaud Amity for just becoming more of a rebel and spitting in the face of their parents every day. Uh, <laughs> they give Amity their concealment stones for Amity views to make a fighting disguise, which shows that the twins are pretty unkempt nerds, but they're pretty adorable with it. Uh, Ed has, like, some facial hair and, like, a little bit of hairy legs and just wears, like, a t-shirt, <laughs> like, not proper and prim and everything. And he has, like, uh, glasses on with his hair held back in a hairband. And <laughs> M's hair is, like, completely untamed. She has some acne. And pretty noticeably, she doesn't actually have her beauty mark in her normal appearance. So it's, like, shows that her... She basically make, makes one to match with Ed using the concealment stone. It's a, it's a cute little touch that she's like, oh yeah, I wanted to like match up ever more, so she does that as part of it. Hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, Emily uses both of the stones to make an abomination-themed dress, and like these big, like, I don't know what you would call them, like, what kind of glasses are those? They're like the, uh, I... they're like the really big red glasses, whatever those things are called, really. I honestly don't have a word for them. I mean, they're kind of similar to cat's eye glasses, but they're too big is the thing. Yeah, they're very big. But by doing so, we do get confirmation finally that Emily has an undercut of her natural brown hair. It's like something <laughs> that people theorized for so long after she got her new hair color, and it's like, yes, confirmed, she does have an undercut. Hooray. Well, yeah. sure, I mean, you can't be gay without that. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Lisa is absolutely stoked over how pretty her girlfriend is, and, uh, while they were just, like, celebrating that, Ida and King look over and see that Warden Ref is the reigning champion, and decide to try to weasel some dirt out of him, because it's like, well, hey, we, maybe we can actually figure out what's going on with the Emperor anyway, even if that wasn't the, the actual feasible plan at the start of the day. Uh, he refuses to spill the beans about Bellows or Rain, but Ida is driven off by the, uh, Brawl staff, which is straight up just the people that were former demon hunters and then pest control, so I guess now they're doing this. They, they basically <laughs> just, they get hired and fired so often as the plot demands, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, they drive her off because uh, she's like trying to like basically kind of threaten him a little bit with her owl beast arm. 
And she just like walks off, you know, just like very amicably, and just like says that she has a plan to make a blabber serum to get the truth out of him instead. Uh, yeah, the brawl officially begins as, again, housed by the Demon Hunter guys. <laughs> and the first fight is Scad the All-Knowing versus Amity as the Mighty Middens. Pretty weird that she chooses to go based on her, like, pet name that her mom uses for her more <laughs> to be an asshole. But whatever, I guess it works. It was the first thing she could think of, so whatever. Well, yeah, especially because, like, everyone in her family uses that name. We'll see later yeah. in this episode. So you would think she would want something maybe not so immediately identifiable. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I was her using it too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was always the thing that was like, yeah, when it came from M&M, it's like more playful teasing as opposed to when it comes from her parents, it's like definitely more bad. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I guess so again, it was probably the first thing she could think of, so it's like, sure, I'll go with that. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't matter. Ebony easily kills that, kicks that guy's ass and wins her first round. Uh, while Luce is watching for the sideline, she's just thinking to herself about how Amity has things in the bag and just doesn't need her help at all, and she's of course like just standing there with nothing to do but think about her thoughts, which of course sends her in a bit of a spiraling panic, especially when like M pop over her shoulder seeing that she has another event reminder on her phone, which I don't know <laughs> who has like multiple alarms for like the same event on their phone. Because <laughs> Luz gets like three or four of them during the course of this episode for the same event, so I don't well, know. I think what the problem is, because uh, she keeps hitting ignore instead of accept, I think the ignore button just makes the alarm go off again in like half an hour. Oh yeah, maybe it's just delaying it, where it's like, here you go, have another one, as opposed to dismissing the event outright or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Because otherwise, the notion that Luz has like four notifications for like the same event that like is a very big part of her upbringing, obviously. It's a bit strange, because it's like, you're not going to forget that day, obviously, Luz. Especially since the first one was, like, if you look at her phone, the first alarm was at 6 in the morning, and I would yeah. not want to be woken up for that. Yeah, her, her first alarm. Like, it's not even, like, a phone alarm, it's just the event notification wakes her up at 6 in the morning, where it's like, Luz, why do you have an event reminder for 6 a.m.? I guess... No, because, like, I mean, as we see in, like, based on the shot of the calendar, this is August 22nd when this takes place. School hasn't even started yet, so why does she have to wake up early enough at 6 a.m. on this <laughs> date in particular? <laughs> School's yeah. not in session yet. Also, she's in, like, middle school or junior high or whatever. So it's like, I guess, like, it actually would probably be, like, around the time you'd wake up for then, because, like, class starts around, like, 7.30 or so, but still. <laughs> well, you're, you're... I mean, it could be... It, it could be August 22nd within the school year, I mean. I, I guess, yeah, I, I guess like, yeah, yeah certain, certain places do start school in, like, mid-August or so, yeah, so it could be the beginning of the school year. Yeah, I think they usually do that in Texas. I don't know how it is around Connecticut, though. Uh, I am looking that up at the moment, actually, considering I live here now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see, can I get school year for 2022? Because also, fun fact, as I have in my trivia that I'll say to fill time, I do actually know that uh, this August 22nd showing up is actually a Monday, which is the same day of the week that the calendar shows. So <laughs> it's possible that Owl House takes place in 2022 and not 2020, as people thought. Well, that uh, would make sense. Yeah, it, there's a bunch of different public schools here. I'm just going to pick the first one on the list to see what their calendar is like. Uh, let's see... Probably a disaster if any of the schools I've looked at calendars for have had anything okay, to do with so it. Okay, so this school in particular, this first one, Andover Public Schools, school summer break finishes on August 30th of 2022. 
Okay. So not yet. If we're going based on that, and if we believe this is set in 2022, school is not in session yet, so why does Zeus have an alarm for 6 a.m. on the day that she has off, and also when she's not in the human realm? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's Whatever. going to Hexside. We don't know what time Hexside starts. This is fair, but also this seems like... like I guess, like, again, this is like... I guess there's no school this day, even though, again, it's a Monday. <laughs> Maybe Hexide has a different, like... I mean, Hexide definitely has, like, a different school schedule, considering that, like, they've had multiple semesters start yeah. during the course of Luce's time there. So, like, maybe they have a weirder, like, Tuesday through Saturday or even just, like, four-day school week or Not whatever. Not to mention the whole, we've been on a call for hours and now it's time to go to school thing. Yeah. That thing. <laughs> so, again, <laughs> who knows? Whatever. Again... 30-year-olds overanalyzing a kid's cartoon. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but the numbers. <laughs> the numbers, yeah. Doesn't matter. Whatever. But yes, uh, going back, uh, Luz tells them that she can, uh, them being yelling them, that she can hold Amity win the belt faster by also joining in the fight. And she later explains to Amity after the commercial break that this means that Amity wanted to defeat less opponents to be able to get to the championship herself, because Luz would be taking out other opponents. Amity's just can also know that something's going on because she's like mentions that Ida told her that today's a special day for Luce, and so she's just worried what Luce is going through at the moment. But Luce fully deflects by saying she's fine and that she can't just let Amity have all the fun. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Amity goes along with it then. Like, Emra volunteers to help them both with healing spells that she knows because I guess Em has been learning some healing spells, even though she's not a uh, different, like, multi track student. <laughs> and Edric wants to get in too with this by casting a spell to have Patrick sing for them for moral support, which again proves that Patrick is not his talisman because I feel like he wouldn't have to cast a spell to get the talisman to sing. Definitely, I like, am very the... much inclined to agree. Yeah, this is definitely just like an animal that he's taken in, so it can't speak for anything. Although but... the possibility does exist. I mean, like bats aren't known for singing usually yeah, and from what true. we've seen in the past palismans usually only make the noises that their animal makes so yeah i guess there is the possibility that this that he that this is his palisman and he's just based it off the bat that he wanted to keep but didn't yeah i don't think but it's it, a strong yeah. possibility but we could be fools to ignore it offhand because we yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's just like i feel like that's also not the case because like if we if it was the case that we saw Edric's palisman, it's weird that we haven't seen M's palisman, because, like, presumably they would have had palisman, like, two years beforehand, because I think they're also 16, so it's like, you would think around, That's like, 14 is when yeah. yeah, you would think that students get their palisman at 14, so it's like, they would presumably have them, and we just haven't seen them yet, so who can say? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, uh, the spell that he's trying just absolutely fizzles because he's just not used to it, and he's bummed that all he can really do is help by cheering from the sidelines from the audience. So he's a bit bummed out and just walks off, complaining that he can't get anything right. But he just sees a snare left by Ethan King that they put to try to like capture skin badgers as an ingredient for the potion. And Ed just reveals that he actually knows a decent amount about beastkeeping by demonstrating his knowledge of like how they eat different foods and also they need a stronger rope to cast them because they're strong. So Ethan and King are actually reasonably impressed with his knowledge of them and decide to just straight up recruit him for help since Ida can't actually get the ingredients easily without magic anymore. And Ed is actually happy to help somebody, so he just fully agrees and goes along with it, even though Ida didn't actually offer him money, which it's a pretty funny gag that she's like, wow, I didn't even have to offer you money. He's like, huh? And she's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> just they just run off. <laughs> I would just like to make a quick note that I absolutely hate the concept of a skin badger. 
Yep. Yep. I, I do. Yeah. Like unfortunately, like we don't like get a lot of that huge list to see like all the different ingredients, but there's definitely like some that we recognize because it's like one of them like the pixie tears. There's definitely one shot in between like during the the montage of like Luce and Amity's fight and them collecting ingredients where the ingredient is list is like zoomed in enough where it's like one word just straight up says ass. It's like it's cut off obviously, <laughs> so it's not just the word ass, but it's like it straight up just says ass <laughs> from what we see. <laughs> It's very funny that people are like, hey, they finally got swearing in Arrow House by having a zoom in of a word that's definitely not just ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Luce goes and has her first fight using like the moniker of the Spell Razor, which again, very funny that they get, technically get around the censors by basically having a direct reference to Hellraiser in here. But yeah, <laughs> uh, she easily just wins as well because she just repeats like the fire glyph to the back that she used on Hunter back in Hunting Bowsman to send her opponent out of the ring. And then we get that Matos I mentioned earlier of Amity and Luce's various fights intercut with Ida King and Ed gathering the ingredients. And later on, uh, Ida grills King about how she, he keeps telling people that she can wrap her exes when Edric brings up why she needs a blabber serum. But she does actually open up to him about her worries about rain and the day of unity. You know, <laughs> good mom Ida adopting more kids into her little family, I guess. <laughs> Oh, were you going to say something? No, not at all. Okay, I thought you were I mean, I, I approve. I like that she's adopting more kids. It's excellent, yep. but... <laughs> yep, Ida can be the new mom to all of the Blight kids when their parents suck. <laughs> Fascinating yeah. how easily she does that, considering how much she hated kids at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't even know what the hugging was, and now she just keeps help. She can't help but just take more kids in, basically. <laughs> but yeah. Edie goes, heads off to get more wood for the fire because it needs to have more heat to finish the potion. And while she's gone, Ed and King have a little bit of a heart-to-heart about how good it is to actually be taken serious for a change. Turns out, King, to be taken seriously for a change, you had to stop being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very funny that it's like, yeah, turns out that's how it works out. Yeah, you have to stop being a bit of a dick and then people actually take it seriously. (laughs) Turns out, weird how that works. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, back at the arena, M's healing an injury Amity got in the previous fight, while Luce is just, like, busy talking a lot to keep herself distracted, and, like, eventually, like, they tell her, like, hey, can you, like, stop for a sec, I gotta focus on healing this, and so she's just, again, there sitting with her thoughts, and when her phone goes off as another reminder, she decides to go take a walk to try to, like, distract herself and, like, yell at her phone a bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and as she walks off, Amity does look a bit worriedly at her because, again, she definitely knows something's going on and Luce is just not talking about it still. Luce, open up about your emotions and feelings. It's not healthy. <laughs> yeah, we just had this lesson like a couple episodes ago. Exactly, yes. <laughs> we had this back in, in episode 11, and it's episode 14. She just learned this lesson a few weeks ago in terms of like the contact actually probably like less like probably just a week ago right because we know it's going to be like a month between episodes 11 and episode like 20 when the day of uni starts so yeah, yeah it can't be much time between then it's like Luz, how did you really forget this lesson yeah whatever yeah she stumbles into the abomaton on her way just walking around to actually found the emerald dagger and when she isn't able to just physically restrain it from walking towards amity she instead just creates a bit of ice, like a little like ice club, and smacks it in the head. That's still that's going to do anything, because it just sets off one of the many alarms that it has. <laughs> and when the alarm goes off, Luce panics about it, and 
just straight up also breaks the arm. Uh, having the NM over here lose like scream earlier and come running. And when Amity asks if Luce touched it as it's just pregnant for Lawrence by, by her dad, Luce tries just fully lies her ass off about it and instead just tries to hype up Amity for her champion bout with Raph. But before the fight can even start, Eleanor shows up via more Abomination group teleportation and declares that Amity forfeits. And he just accuses her of ditching tryouts and that someone set off the alarm. And Amity immediately clocks as Luce having lied to her. <laughs> so, Luce tries to say that she doesn't want to worry her, but this has only made Amity even more concerned over why Luce has been acting weird all day and also that she's now in trouble with her dad. And Luce once again tries to deflect from what's troubling her, and Rash is getting impatient saying that he's just here to fight and wants to go at it, so Alador just like grabs him in the goop and immediately just knocks him the fuck out. <laughs> and just then fully denies the belt because he's just glitched that he already has one. <laughs> Like, very casually, just seem like, eh, every comment, whatever, I don't care about this. <laughs> yeah, he tells Amity to round up her siblings and that if she begs, she can be signed up for the next tryouts. But Amity's had enough of what's going on and just slaps his hand away and just uses a bit of her magic to grab an invisibility glyph from Luce and pops it after she says that she's not going anywhere with either of them. Which, again, is just starting the trauma conga line that we're getting here in the next couple of minutes. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry. Edric and King are watching all this from the woods, and they see that Raph is tied up in the goop still. So, Ed rushes over to use Farbee honey to add more heat to the potion to finish it. Though it's kind of adding an extra ingredient to the potion that's not on the list. Uh, yeah, it changes a different color, and he decides to start like taking over to Raph while telling King to go get Ida. And at that point, we join Luce, who's managed to track down everybody at the Grom Tree. And it's noticeably in a much worse state than when it was made because its leaves are falling and like some of the branches seem dead. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that when we finish the episode synopsis because people think there's reasoning behind that too, but yeah, we'll get it there. Yeah. Yeah. After she asks her girlfriend if she can sit next to her, Emily opens up about just wanting to do the brawl to understand her dad better, but then Luce interfered in multiple different ways. And she asks if Luce's behavior has something to do with the human realm. And then we are treated to the massive psychic damage courtesy of Dana and the crew, as Luce reveals that today is the anniversary of her dad passing away. But somehow, I did not even think that this was a possibility until Luce <laughs> drops this, when it's like, it's kind of obvious in retrospective, actually, that this has to be something that was going on with all those reminders about spend day with mom and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's... Somehow, again, I did not think about this possibility until Luce said those words, and that's like, oh no, we even <laughs> talked about this like two weeks prior of like, yeah, he's probably just dead, right? And it's probably not going to mention in the show. Nope, they definitely mentioned in the show at length for an entire episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly just wasn't that shocked by this. Like, I think it's more the, the line delivery by Luce in this that really gets me is the thing. Because again, well, like we we fair. basically that had like mean... yeah, because like we we had basically like surmised it's like yeah he has to just be dead considering that they still have photos of him in the house and it's like they wouldn't have had like a messy breakup and divorce if they still had photos of him so it's like it had to have been that he just passed away at some point. But again, yeah. I always just I always just thought it was gonna be something that wasn't acknowledged in the show and it's just like oh yeah no he's just not around. But see, yeah. that's what I'm talking about though is because like I grew up for what cable I had, I always had Disney Channel original movies, you know? 
Mm -hmm. uh, Disney Channel original movies always, always, always feature a dead parent. Oh, yeah, the, no, they all do. <laughs> yeah, every single one of them. Bambi and literally starts so, with his mom getting shot. <laughs> well, it's not, not the... Not the animated films, not the big oh, okay. budget theater ones, but DCOMs yeah. are specifically movies that they made for Disney Channel. Stuff like Luck of the Irish or 13th Year or, you know, okay. the Princess yeah, Protection Society, all the live action movies. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I never really watched those. I was like more about the animated ones, which again, very fucked up that so many of those shows, are, those movies are like, hey, you want to see Simba's dad get thrown off a fucking cliff and stamp mm -hmm. stampeded to death? <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna fuck up a kid at all. <laughs> no, yeah. clearly, clearly, it's the notion that two people might be gay is gonna fuck up kids more than seeing a parent get chucked off a cliff. <laughs> uh, I guess the point yeah. I'm trying to get at though is just dead parents are such an established part of Disney Channel right. specifically that I'm not surprised that they put it in the show. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, maybe again, it's just me being way more prone to cry at stuff like this, I guess. Because, <laughs> I mean, like I said, like, I, I still tear up at times when it comes to, like, when Luce is, like, talking to Ida when she's cursed in their Albies form in the f season one finale, where it's like, we know, obviously, this is fine. Like, nothing actually bad happens, but still, again, the line delivery is the thing. Yeah. Turns out, they got some really good voice actors to voice the main characters in this show. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, getting back to it, Luz tries to brush it all off as happening a long time ago, but Amity clearly sees right through it, considering that everything that's been going on in the day. Uh, Luz explains how her dad would always get her and her mom flowers on their birthdays, and ever since he passed away, that she and her mom would give each other flowers on this day and spending their day together, and that she's been distraught the entire day because not only is she not there to be with her mom this year, and that she doesn't have flowers, but that she also acted really rashly when she heard about Emily's own problems with her own dad. Like, trying to basically be like, I don't know, maybe I just need a distraction, or thought that you being able to understand your dad better would help give me some closure or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> like, she's she's very depressed about all of this, and like, straight up doesn't tell her that she's sorry. But then they hear screaming coming from the arena, and like, loose clearly like just bent about having to actually like come clean about this stuff just has like no strength to really follow so she tells amity to go on without her and she'll catch up but before she does amity just tells loose fully that she'll help her pick some flowers and they'll do something here to commemorate her dad just because yeah. she can't do it at home again <laughs> very very cute little bit i do especially like the bit where it's like Amity understands that Luce made a mistake, but she's not really going to hold it against her because clearly this is something that has really messed her up as a kid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to, like, another thing I have in the trivia that, like, is not, like, trivia trivia, but it's, like, another fan theory that seems pretty plausible. But, yeah, we'll <laughs> get there after I'm done with the synopsis. But, yeah, at the arena, uh, Warden Ref has transformed into, like, a weird pterodactyl-looking creature. He honestly <laughs> looks a lot like a Kezu from Monster Hunter. I don't know if you've seen Kezu. I have not. You, you, you probably have. It's one of the, like, grosser monsters. Here, let me get a picture real quick. He's, like, the the really white one that, like, looks all pale, that has no eyes and has a stretchy uh, neck and everything. Kind of looks a bit like Kezu, in a sense. It's, it's more really more the wings and the teeth than more than anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I can see the similarity, but no, I've never seen this before. 
weird. It's like one of the like more popular monsters in terms of what the fuck were the animators thinking when they came up with this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like one of the like flagships. It's not like uh, you probably have seen like stuff like Rathalos, like the big, like the kind. Of, I don't want to say basic dragon, but like the classic dragon. It's like the one uh, that's like. That's a name I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like Rathalos is like just one of them that's like yeah, it's kind of just a dragon. It's not like any of these weird like mixture of monsters that they usually do. But yeah, Kazu's gross. <laughs> a lot of people know Kazu and don't like him. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, Athena Ed also admits to Ida that he changed the recipe because he just wanted to make it heat up faster when they had the opportunity. And Ida doesn't really hold it against him much. She just decides to go harpy mode to try to fight Raph, but she just gets smacked away into trees just because she's just overpowered this. So Alidora tries to restrain him with abomination magic, but he's just not up to the task either. And when he tries to help by, like, uh, you know, just tries to help with trying to hold him down too, but he just grabs her with abomination magic and tosses her back to her siblings. And Which, like rude. Yeah. Very rude. Like it, I especially like that Ed and M call him out on it and just be like M's being like, What the hell what the heck dad? And like Edric's just booing him. Like, yeah. <laughs> give roast your dad when he deserves it, kids. And yeah, Do like no are hmm? Ed and M also expected to go into the abomination track? Is that I mean what no our they're, assumption is? They're they're in the illusion track, both of them. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, like, it's it's one of those things that it's, like, it's kind of, like, an unspoken thing of, like, why is it that Amity's, like, the only one that's really had a lot of pressure put on her? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, like, none of, none of them follow the Dahlia, like, in being uh, Oracle or anything, so, I don't know, who can say? For some reason, the twins got their way with, like, not having to be as, like, pressured for some reason, or falling in with, like, one of her, one of their parents' track or whatever. Yeah. Who can say? I don't know. This is... This would be just the absolute worst parent move, but it's possible that they had more freedom just because they were older. And yeah. then when they didn't fall into the parents' track, that just meant that Amity had to. Yeah, that sounds plausible. Yeah. yeah, it would be really garbage, but I'd believe it from these two. Yeah, yeah, very garbage, but also we know who Dahlia, like, especially Dahlia, we know who she's like, and it's like, yes, she would definitely force this. Considering that, like, based on, like, the picture we see in, uh, God, when, oh, it was earlier in this one where it's, like, when we saw, like, the picture that Emily had of, like, when her dad won, where it's like we see like a young girl Dahlia, and she looks like she's just like straight up season one Amity with like the same hairstyle and everything. It's like God, she's just trying to make a clone of herself, basically. Yeah. Bad woman, terrible, shitty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at this point, uh, Ed theorizes that since the heat from the fire bee honey caused mutation, that maybe something cold could reverse it. And Lucis caught up with them and volunteers to handle it. And, like, before Ida goes and gives her a lift to carry out her plan, she very nice and softly, like, thanks to Amity for listening and that she can't wait to pick flowers with her girlfriend. Again, super cute. I like that it's in there. <laughs> it's a very quick little bit where it's like, yeah, she at least, like, again, she's already said sorry for everything she did, but, like, you know, the fact that she thanks her girlfriend here and, like, is looking forward to, like, carrying out the uh, little ritual of her is very adorable. But yeah. Uh, Amity rejoins Alador to help him and, like, just grabs his arm when he tries to, like, toss her aside again and just, like, with Abomination Goop to stop him. And <laughs> just absolutely, like, actually fully convinced him that she's actually able to help and they merge their Abomaton together. 
to Northeast Rain Raft as Eden Luce activate a bunch of glyphs to drop a blanket of snow on top of him to turn him back to normal. Uh, when Eden lands, she grills out door about him being distracted from family stuff with her harpy form because, like, they've known each other for a while and he was present when she turned into the Albies the first time and, like, she's like, there's more important things to be focusing on than the fact that I'm a big bird woman at the moment, idiot. <laughs> and she also very justifiably warns him that she's got her eyes on him because she knows about what happened back in Escaping Expulsion with the uh, Abomaton uh, 2.0 back then. Uh, she goes and grabs Raph and demands that he answers her questions about Rain and the Day of Unity, but he admits he doesn't actually know anything since he got demoted for stealing his coworkers' lunches. <laughs> Dick move, Raph. Yeah. But, then he, he, yeah. but he does admit that he has heard like some dis- uh, people in the Emperor's Coven not thinking that the Day of Unity would be kind to anyone magical, whether they're like in a coven or wild or not. They're like, yeah, it's supposed to join us with the Titan, and a lot of people don't think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, that's an so, interesting, like, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird conclusion to draw because hmm. it's just so much, if anything, I would assume that it would be good for some magic people and not others, you know, good for witches. Yeah. Would but make like, it a racism thing, but not just, oh, this is going to be bad for everyone. That's such a wild thing to come from inside the yeah, Emperor's like, Coven. I mean... We know what Bellus is like. He is basically just a racist colonist who hates witches. He could just be trying to fucking fuck up magic for everybody, just to get back at them for being slightly rude to him for him being an asshole. Yeah, ago. no, I absolutely believe that. Don't get me wrong. I just find it bizarre that that's the 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 the, the story coming from the inside. You know? Yeah, that's like even a lot of people in the neighbors coming like this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it gives Ida and the audience a lot to think about, because even she's like, hmm, not sure about that, but okay. Uh, but yeah, Ed tries to apologize to Ida about this, but she's actually just stoked that, like, he actually accidentally came up with a new transformation potion that she can sell, even if the <laughs> effects aren't pretty. And she praises Ed for his knowledge of illusions, potions, and peacekeeping, and says that he has a future in world magic, and gives him a bad girl coven t-shirt. Very cute that Emera pops out as he's like trying to be like, oh, thanks for seeing it, because she's just like, I want one too, give me one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Emera's just here for the shirt, I think. She doesn't actually really know what's going on because she hasn't been a part of this as much, but she wants a t-shirt. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we go back over to where Alador is talking to Amity, and uh, he learns that she doesn't want to join the Emperor's Covenant anymore, and ask her about it because it was always her dream, but she bites back by saying that it was always her mom's dream and that he just went along with it. And then she also grills him by asking if she, he was even aware that she's dating Luz, which he wasn't, obviously. And <laughs> just absolutely roasts this fucker for not talking to him anymore, as he's too busy with his work for Bellows. And she also complains that during all this, her mom's also apparently been trying to forcibly redye Emily's hair back to green. But he admits <laughs> that he likes her new hair color because it's a foundation color, which apparently was Emily's whole point behind it. Not that lavender is the gayest color, actually. It's just that she wanted to be color coordinated with her track, I guess. So, which you know. is interesting, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah, she already wears enough pink and purple in her like school outfit and all, so it's like I guess she just wants to be even more coordinated with it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he promises to talk to Dahlia about, I guess, more in particular about her hair and everything. And he tries to go for a hug, but she rightfully like 
turns it into just a handshake, saying that it's a start, which, yeah, it's like, you, you've been an accessory to a lot of really bad shit on Alador, you don't get forgiven easily like that. Forgiveness yeah, for real. Or not given, yeah. Alright, and then, we return to the Grand Tree where Emily finds Lou's picking. I guess it, it looks like it's just weeds, it's like, it's kind of like some dead flower that kind of just looks like weeds, it's really not like flowers, flowers. <laughs> but yeah, uh... She tries to make a plant glyph to help Luce out, but it just like kind of shrivels into all vine. And she asks Luce how she gets the glyph to do what she wants. And Luce explains that you have to know what you need in order to do it. It's it's kind of a weird explanation because like we also see Amini's like glyph isn't like close really. It's like close yeah, enough. Yeah, it's all it, messed up. Yeah, it's close enough that it works a bit, but it doesn't like do exactly what you want. So I guess it has to be more like closer to the perfect than like, what Emily did in order to get it to actually replicate what your thoughts are, I guess? Yeah, but is, I guess, it is. I mean, that does raise the possibility that there are different forms for the same glyph that Yeah, could... I mean, this, this is actually something that came up before in uh, Understanding Willow, because Luce drew a different version of the ice glyph in order to, yeah. like, throw uh, Inner Willow into the ocean to cool it down so it's like yeah it's like there are some variants but like amnesia is definitely more of a variant because like it's actually missing like some of the lines and it's also like kind of not a angle. circle <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's very funny that the witches who have all this experience of drawing spell circles don't actually draw them perfectly like loose can <laughs> considering that like loose has been only practicing at drawing these perfect circles for her glyphs for like a couple months compared to these witches that have learned magic since they were kids <laughs> just a funny notion that it's like, yeah, she's... Also, she's. this is the first time Amity ever uses glyph magic, so it's like, yeah, maybe she's not as good at it if it's like something she's thinking about when it comes to drawing it as opposed to just tracing it in the air or whatever. But yeah, no, it's, it's just an interesting note that it's like, yeah, it's not perfect, but it still does something if it's not what she's actually aiming for. But yeah, the glyph that Luce makes uh, just makes three little pink flowers, and Amity makes a balloon out of Abomination Goop to tie them to, and they go and release the flowers into this guy. And Amity asks if she thinks they'll reach the human realm, and Luce, you know, it said it probably won't work that way, but that's a nice thought as they hold hands and watch it fly into the sky. And we end on a shot back at the Noseda household where Kamiya puts a flower of, in a vase and kind of sides looking at the sky. And these is in the background, like mixing some ingredients into a bowl, I guess for dinner or whatever. Yeah. And yep, that's the whole episode. It's a long one. My notes were again like three and a half pages because I keep writing too fucking much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. I mean, it's hard it's not to. It's a big one because there's yeah. so much in every one of them these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they were very much, especially like ever since season two started, where they're like, "All right, what are the things we want to do? Gotta get it." <laughs> stuff these episodes full of shit exactly yeah like even my goofy sports episode i was on that for like an hour so yeah we were past an hour by the time we started which admittedly was like close to like 45 minutes or so based on our preamble but it's like yeah. we are almost at the two hour mark now and we have just finished <laughs> this episode two no, episode uh 14 synopsis. But yeah i just have a few more things for an episode that aren't trivia related uh, the bits with Luce hugging Amity and spinning with her while lifting her up, followed by Luce blowing a lot of kisses to her at her first appearance in the brawl, and Amity's very visible blush as Luce enters the ring are just <laughs> the cutest, gayest shit between these two. <laughs> it's like, 
you would think at this point with like all after like especially like uh when you like which is when like Avenue blushing was like so full on display it's like i would get tired of it but it's like no every time it happens i just love it it's just so cute <laughs> these two are just great adorable little girlfriends and are just adorable and silly <laughs> And uh, just a little other note here, I do like how like we actually see Amity's like powers of abominations have gotten even better since Eclipse Lake, because like she had pretty good abilities back then too, and like she now can make a skateboard and everything. But like she basically like in this episode shows that she can uh, have her abominations like just fully eat blast of magic when most abominations seem to be like shot once and fall over. Yeah. Because like when they were first introduced with one that Amity made, Luce just punched it in the head and broke it. <laughs> so. She's definitely gotten stronger with, like, making them be able to, like, absorb more damage. And she can also, like, of course, like, convert them into a big, like, spiked shield to give, like, more personal protection around her. Yeah. And, of course, also, she can merge it with other abominations to make them stronger. Because she does that with her dads. It's, again, the power of being gay is too strong with Amity Blight. She just gets stronger <laughs> and stronger the more openly gay she is with her girlfriends. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's everything I've got so far with that episode. Okay, yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> yep. All right. Do, do we want to do questions now before I get into trivia? Just because, again, I've been talking a lot. Um. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, okay. We only have a few questions today, but that's quite all right. Um, yeah, that's on me for forgetting to put out the tweet earlier in the day. <laughs> I put the tweet out at like 7.30 and I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't do that. We record at 9. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. It's, yeah. We generally don't have a huge amount of questions anyway, so I don't think it matters that much. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it still gives more people more time to think of them. That's true. But yes, so our three questions from today are from Casey Cosmos, at Casey Cosmos. And the first one is, what human world sports would the Demon Realm characters enjoy? And uh, I'm just going to put this right off the bat here. I don't think there's going to be many of them. Like, all of the Magic World sports we've seen are combat sports in some way. Yeah. And we just don't have that. I mean, I guess football, but that's so slow pace yeah, compared like, uh, to everything the wizarding world does yeah sorry I, I the would, boiling aisles i don't know why i said that yeah the wizarding world is a much more cursed thing <laughs> <laughs> the, the, that brand is very sick <laughs> yeah like aside from football the only thing i currently think of on top of my head is hockey just because of like all the times that like players beat each other up during hockey games like i've only been to one hockey game ever yeah. like back when i was like maybe like 11 and the only thing I remember about it is like the few times that I think it was it was either the Islanders or the Rangers. I forget. It was like one of those New York uh, Island teams. Uh-huh. But yeah, like yeah, one of those two that just blends together in my brain. Where they definitely at like two or three times during it, each other. And it was like, yeah, this is what I'm here for. This is what I remember. Because I saw like one Mets game back when I was also a kid, like maybe a couple years before that. I'm like, I don't remember anything from that besides being very confused about the scoring sheet that I had in my pants. Okay, sorry, I'm back. So you got a knife. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I have reclaimed yeah, I, the knife. I kind of thought, I kind of thought something cat related was going on because I think you went ah. But yeah, I didn't realize it was cat grabbed the knife. <laughs> yeah, she picked up a knife. I don't. She's never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up the the gif of the crab with the knife, but it's a cat. <laughs> was it like a butter knife or a knife knife? It was just a butter knife, but... Like... Okay. Yeah, but still. Yeah, she probably shouldn't have that. 
Yeah, it no, is, she it shouldn't. Is still, it is still metal. <laughs> Not like she needs it. She's got knives on every foot, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Sorry rather, about that. I, that's okay. I'd rather have Sam's cat steal knives than the fact that Blue goes and like grabs a bunch of toilet paper and rips it all over the place anyway. Maybe I'd like to put down herself to get her to stop because she just can't help herself. I don't know. Goodness cats. Me. Cats be cats. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. rugby, I think, would be a good one also because yeah. there's, like, no safety equipment and just brawling in rugby. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, but, martial arts might be a good one, but, like, I guess that that kind of does and also doesn't count as, like, sports, at least not when I'm thinking, like, traditionally sports-wise. But yeah, it's, like, well, it I is, mean, like... MMA is a thing, but I don't yeah. know how interesting MMA would be to people from the Boiling Isles. I mean, they like, get fucking... Of it they get fucking stoked at... wrestling. Yeah, but, I mean, like, we saw them get excited about, like, a fucking arena match in this episode, so it's, like, they would probably be interested in seeing how humans fight when they don't have magic. That's fair. I don't know. I just... MMA I mean, is the weirdest sport in the world to me. Because every time they introduce somebody, they're like, master of six different styles, master of blah, 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 trained for this, this, and this. And then they just yeah. spend the entire match rolling around on the floor hugging. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just not as cool or dramatic as they ever want to make it seem. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really, can you pin the guy onto the ground or, like, try to restrain him in a sense? Because, like, if he can't kick or hit or punch you, it's a lot harder for him to do anything. Huh. Yeah. Like, wrestling would be a way better Boiling Isles sport than MMA, just because it's so much drama, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, so, um... Who would get into esports is the next question. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think because it's like I want to say either a king but at the same time they would definitely not be good at it <laughs> like no no they would uh, not no like uh I don't think Luce has the attention span for it no offense Luce but yeah <laughs> uh I don't it know it kind of depends we, on the game I yeah. can see her being over okay at like Overwatch since that's so fast paced but, Maybe Gus, because Gus is, like, his illusion training is, like, with the fact that Gus has, like, a lot of, like, illusions is, like, knowing about, like, what would be, like, most effective against the person you're facing. He might have a pretty decent tactical mind to be able to play League or something like that. Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely Basha. Basha is super competitive all the time. <laughs> She's bad at it, but she definitely tries, <laughs> I think. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, and... I realize this is gonna vary from person to person, but I used to play Dota. I played Dota mm. back in the days when it was a World of uh, Warcraft three hack, and <laughs> it's boring. Is the thing? It's not a fun game to play. Yeah. It's not even as interesting as chess. It's so much walking yeah. in a straight line and <laughs> I mean, clicking on a I thing. I never really played like any of the esports games. Like the closest I played is just Overwatch, but also like, I mean, everybody played Overwatch back in twenty sixteen. Is the yeah. thing, and then. Everybody fucking didn't give a shit about Overwatch after the first year or so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, to be fair, Overwatch released in 2016. 2017 was a pretty fucking good year for games, so everybody got distracted by playing stuff like Breath of the Wild and whatnot. <laughs> and then by the time that people were like, hey, remember, Overwatch was when Overwatch started going really down the shitter with all the changes they made to tweak a bunch of characters, yeah. getting rid of, like, 
the entire like defense category of characters where it's like now just attack tank and healer or whatever like making a lot of characters just kind of not have anything different or original to each of them kind of deal <laughs> then also of course all the blitzstone stuff where it's like oh yeah hey remember activision is shit blizzard is shit yeah. <laughs> they are the worst actually <laughs> Legit having people in, like, news cover the fact that Bobby Kotick was having a restraining order put against him by his ex or whatever. Definitely saw that tweet earlier today. Yeah. Hey, before you forget, Bobby Kotick is a literal supervillain, guys. <laughs> he is shit. I like yeah. the part where one of his ex-employees like... went to work for the California government and was covering his tracks from inside the house. Yeah, that definitely also happened. <laughs> People should not be allowed to have millions and billions of dollars, it turns out, because <laughs> they don't do anything good with them ever. <laughs> yeah, no, true. Yeah. Yeah. If there was know. one Bruce Wayne, there might be an argument for billionaires, but so far there hasn't been. <laughs> nope, definitely hasn't been. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, Casey's yeah. third question, uh, would Hootie be a gamer? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Who do you... Who do I feel like we get super into, like, Animal Crossing? Like, different, like, sim kind of games like that? I don't know. I feel like Hootie would have a lot of trouble with that sort of thing on account of not having hands. And as far as I know, accessibility is not good enough to allow you to play with just a tongue in most games. Yeah, that's that true. said, uh, though, I think he would absolutely be, like, a streamer on every single day, just smashing DDR. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, like, basically, like, who the streaming is, like, when Twitch plays Pokemon was popular. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, oh, let's try to watch Hootie play Pokemon one tap at a time <laughs> and see how this goes. Because, again, like, a lot of it would be, like, he has to, like, look at the screen and be, like, okay, I need to press this key to get to this selection kind of deal. Like, Pokemon is actually the easiest to play because it's not, like, an action yeah, game that's or anything. True. Like, any turn-based RPG would be fine. precise timing. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, Hootie obviously couldn't play, like, Dark Souls. But at the same time, I want to now see Hootie play Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> if you can beat Dark Souls with a DDR mat, a Guitar Hero guitar, and also a couple of bananas... I think Hootie could do it with enough perseverance. Yeah, I mean, if someone rigged up the DDR mat for him, I'm sure he could do it, no problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just has to stretch different parts of his body to different inputs. Exactly, He's yeah. He's got it. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's our questions for today. <laughs> so thank you very much, Casey. <laughs> if you have questions God, for us in the future, you can find us uh, at usweirdoscast on Twitter and uh, usweirdoscast at gmail.com. I'm now just also imagining uh, Hootie and King being like a tag team in a stream where it's like one of them controls the character and the other one does like the button inputs. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a nightmare, but at the same time, I could see it happen. Oh, King would want to be so good at Call of Duty and he would be so frustrated that he was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Hootie is like controlling the character and King's trying to like aim the gun and shoot, but like Hootie just keeps getting distracted looking at like walls and stuff. <laughs> yeah definitely canon would happen just imagine how many headsets he'd blow out with that rage squeak <laughs> i mean yeah he's only got magic powers in his voice now so yeah he would destroy them all <laughs> all right so yeah i know a different format here but let's go back to trivia now that my voice is out yeah, of yeah. take a break a bit yeah 
Uh, yeah, okay, fine. We're finally gonna cover Gerbo's voice actor, because, again, I made that decision not to way back when he was introduced, and he's back again, so whatever. I guess this means he gets to have his due, finally. <laughs> yeah, he is voiced by Noah Galvin, who played Kenny O'Neill in The Real O'Neills, uh, Dr. Asher Wolk in The Good Doctor, and starred as Evan Hansen in the Broadway production from 2017 to 2018. And fun fact, he's openly gay and train, tra uh, dating the guy who used to previously play Evan in the Broadway production. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and similarly, fine, we'll cover Tibbles finally because he's been in three episodes now. He is voiced by, uh, apologies for your name, I don't know how to pronounce it fully, Parvesh Tina, I believe, who played uh, Gupta in Outsourced. I hope I'm saying Gupta right as well, I don't know. Uh, Sunil Odhav in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and Raj in Craig of the Creek. And like Noah, he's also openly gay. Nice. So, fun. Yeah, <laughs> more more character, more people that are have like representation in this show. Yes, good. And yeah. <laughs> uh, other, yep, other miscellaneous things uh, we skipped over it earlier, but the Golden Guard sigil is also Gracefield's town sigil that we saw back in episode 10 of this season, which is definitely not at all suspicious. <laughs> nope. Everything's on the up and up. Don't totally worry about it. Totally normal. Yep. Uh, also, that uh, Willow had a Flyer Derby poster in her room back in oh. Eda's Requiem. We just didn't notice it because we didn't think it was important at the time. <laughs> and uh, based on the cl newspaper clipping she has, it shows that her dads Gilbert and Harvey also played the sport as teenagers. We didn't actually get either their names confirmed really in the show, but like Gilbert's leaked from like a uh, transcript at one point, and Harvey's was said in a tweet by uh, a member of the crew that got deleted afterwards, and also Rebe uh, Rebecca Rose, who works on the show officially now, did confirm both of their names were that. Yeah. So yeah, we finally got names for her dads. <laughs> They're unfortunately really not characters. I don't remember if I covered them at all in that episode they were in. I think I might have to look at that again and see. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, also a little fun fact here, uh, any sport in the storm is the very first episode where Eden and King do not appear at, at all in any form, making Luce the only character that's appeared in every single episode. Because, <laughs> like, while while they didn't show up in person back in uh, Through the Looking Glass Ruins, Ida was in a newspaper clipping that uh, Luce saw, and King did do uh, uh, Gus's, like, voicemail uh, intro, message yeah. on his, like, crystal ball. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they were technically in that episode, even if they weren't there in person directly, but this is the first time they never showed up at all. <laughs> but yes, uh, we already covered about uh, why Hunter picked the name Caleb. Uh, Darius saying Sweet Mother of Titans when he's, like, exasperated with Hunter implies that witches do know there are other Titans out there, but based on the fact that we saw in that book that King read at the start of Gung Blood All Souls, they just haven't been able to find any yet, <laughs> based on the fact that they said we haven't found any other, like, complete skeletons, basically. Yeah. So they are aware. I mean, they have a postal service that we have established has some sort of transit between the different aisles <laughs> that are, exist out there, because they do specify the boiling aisles in their, uh, in their Dahlia's little card about her address. Very true. <laughs> yep. Uh, just a little also thing here, uh, the bit where Luce and Amity shout what at the Pentagram post of Hunter in there is a direct reference to Amity and Basha doing the same in Hootie's Moving Hassle when they saw the postings about uh, Luce, Willow, and Gus <laughs> driving the car, the, uh, driving the house around. Uh, and little other things that are actually like more like trivia related, uh, Darius calling Hunter Little Prince is an allusion to the book by 
God, I'm gonna fuck up this French name. Uh, Antoine de Saint Exupery. I don't know. <laughs> As Hunter is lonely and seeks friendship and acceptance, much like the protagonist of that book. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, yeah. Found little thing. Uh, you already mentioned the minion poster, uh, the, the minion painting on the Mona Lisa, <laughs> so we can skip that. Uh, Willow's Flyer Derby pamphlet has people on it that look like the Digimon Adventure protagonist. I'll have to take. Did not catch that at all because I was not a. I was not a Digimon kid. This is literally saying this on the wiki. I will take their word for it, too. Because, again, I don't really know much about Digimon Adventure besides uh, the fact that... Oh, God, what was the name of the main kid? But he sucks. Uh, the only Ty. thing I know about Ty. Digimon is yep. I saw the movie, and that was so bad that it scarred me for life. <laughs> <laughs> the only real amount of Digimon exposure I've had is I played a little bit of that CyberSoof game that released on, like, PS4 and later other consoles back in, like, God, 2015 or something mm -hmm. like that, I want to say. It's weird because it's, like, very not like normal Digimon because it's a lot of, like, internet stuff and, like, normal world as opposed to digital world stuff. And, like, a lot of it is, like, people don't know what Digimon are even though they, like, live in the internet. And they also, like... There's a lot of errors in that game where they keep referring to, like, the female protagonist as a boy, because I guess they just assume they'll be the boy by default. Also, her outfit is, like, very kind of low-key horny because it, like, clings to her chest a lot. It's very strange. <laughs> I don't know what they're going with that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, Hunter's Pentagram user named Being Ruler's Reach fan is pretty goofy and also, like, just a direct reference that, like, he obviously likes the book that King and Luke wrote <laughs> back in Sense and Insensitivity. Yeah. Which is very funny. So I, I did kind of mention this when it came up on Discord, but, like, finding this out was kind of a shock to me just because of how poorly he consistently treats King. Like, yeah. it's, it's so wild to me that King is apparently enough of his favorite author that he's willing to name his online identity after it, and yet... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's pretty weird that it's like he likes the book so much but I, I guess he's like a lot of the Harry Potter defenders where it's like you can hate J.K. Rowling but you can like the books it's like no very much no <laughs> yeah anyway uh yeah moving on from the cursed series that is very sick uh, the disguise that Amity put the, Abom the Abomaton into is pretty similar to a bit of in development artwork of Ida's outfit which fully gets lampshaded by Luz because she says that she thinks Ida has the same outfit. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny that it actually showed up again. But again, they also show a lot of like the old like beta artwork stuff in the show by stuff like Luz's mom having the old like beta Luz shirt back when she was like a uh, mom raising uh, Luz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so this is the big one. This is actually not trivia so much a fan theory. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the fan theory about why Luce reacted when she heard the siren go off on the Abomaton? Uh, because it's the same as the one on her phone? Uh, less that. The one that I've seen people think about enough is that the uh, siren going off reminds her about the ambulance that arrived to pick up her dad. And therefore she has a panic attack whenever she hears sirens like that because it reminds her of that day. Hmm. Very depressing! <laughs> yeah... I don't know. I, I guess I could see why people would assume that, but that's kind of a lot to assume. She doesn't panic every yeah, time her phone is... goes off. Yeah, but like, I mean, this is like more of like a siren when the Abomaton goes off and her phone notification isn't that. And it's like, this is definitely more like a like, 
emergency kind of alarm, which ambulances kind of have the similar one, so... I mean, it's like, it's it's more the fact that she screams, get out of my head at the time, when it's like, she's definitely still locked up in her thoughts about her dad's death <laughs> and all during that day. So it's like, that's why people more think about that theory of like, oh, it reminds me of the ambulance. Because like, based on like the fact that like the only photo we really had seen of her dad, based on like his face being obscured a lot, is like when she was younger. So it's like, he probably passed away when she was like six or seven. <laughs> so it's like at least like half her lifetime ago. So it's like pretty dramatic and traumatizing thing for a kid to go through at such an early age. Yeah, that's true, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who can say? We probably won't really return to this thread at all. Chloe, how could you? Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I said that again, didn't yeah, I? <laughs> yep, it's gonna happen again. Dana Terrace is listening in on our Discord calls. She is actually the Craig bot recording. <laughs> and she is listening in and she is changing the show as we speak. It's it's much like a lot of like the shoot cast as they were going on, where they're like every time we talk about like we were like, oh, we didn't expect a lot of like Harry Potter bullshit to happen as, over the course of us recording the show. And then turns out a lot of Harry Potter bullshit happened <laughs> over the course of them doing that show. And still is, in fact, even though they moved on to Twilight. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I say it and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel confident in saying it won't happen again. But at the same time, now I'm fully expecting it to happen again. Yep. Because <laughs> I said so. Yep. Yeah. Phyllis yeah. will find Moving out on. that's her secret uh, weakness and invent ambulances in the boiling aisles and... <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yes. Moving on. Uh, despite Edith's claim that all giraffes were banished to the human realm, there is definitely a giraffe demon in the audience at the brawl. So, I don't know what the fuck is up with that, because it's like, it's not just a giraffe giraffe, it's definitely a demon giraffe, but at the same time, <laughs> what's going on but, there? You know, there's also, in the, uh, at the club meet, at all the booths, one of the booths does have a giraffe painted on the sign, but we don't get to see what club it is, so... No, I didn't even see that. Yeah, so, something's going on here. I mean, in that one guy, that one person did have a giraffe talisman, so I don't know. <laughs> It's like a covert infiltration thing going on. Yeah, the giraffes are slowly taking back over the Wyoming Isles. <laughs> Bellos was a giraffe all along. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most cursed than just him being a human with, like, weirdly pointy ears and a weird, like, wood-rotting face or whatever the fuck he's got going on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, a little thing I have here uh, is that Ida can now poop back into witch form without having to need it to drink an elixir like she used to back in Eclipse Lake. She was stuck in Harpy Ida mode and she just poofed back to normal mode after this in the course of this episode. Didn't? Yeah. No, I could be remembering wrong. I thought in Eclipse Lake she just kind of poofed back to normal also after she fell through the door. N nope. She's still in Harpy mode when she talks to Amity about like wanting to break the news to Luce about the fact that Jay lost the key. Hmm. Well, okay. Yeah, she... I mean, it's straight up like why she's stuck in the door because she's like, I couldn't, I, I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> like she poofed into Applebee's mode and like, I mean, presumably like she drank an elixir to turn back at the end of Hootie's door. But like in this, it's like, yeah, she's like, yeah, no, I don't know how to turn it back off. <laughs> Whoops. I had to also eat voles, I guess. Well, okay. Yeah, no, she, yeah, she learned how to do it. Okay. Yep, that's all I got for a trivia again. Hey, remember, again, back before Season 2, when I was like, oh, there's probably not going to be much trivia for Season 2, because it's definitely more concise and to the point. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Still proving along with that, because I said it aloud. 
Dana, and as we said, it's Dana Terrace is listening in on our fucking podcast. <laughs> and she's changing the show as we speak just to fuck us over. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, aside from that, I only have the artist stuff. And that's it for this. Uh, so this week, I am going to shine the spotlight on Lucy Wonder, who uses she, her pronouns. Finally, one of them actually has their pronouns listed, because I know the last few haven't. <laughs> uh, yeah, her handle is spelled the same way as you might think, just the word Lucy and then Wonder, all one word, not space or anything. But yeah, she does a pretty good, amazing fan art of the most dramatic moments, like her recent fan art reaching out that has Lucy and Abby at the Grom Tree with their backs to one another but holding hands as their respective parents from that episode look down at them. <laughs> uh, a very silly one where Amity's trying to teach Luce how to skateboard but Luce is just too busy freaking out about how she's swerving off to the side and Amity just doesn't understand that don't you see I'm swerving <laughs> kind of deal. <laughs> like Luce is like definitely just too obsessed with the fact that she's starting to swerve off to the side because yeah. she's the dork and since now. Uh, a very cute uh, bit of fan art where young Ida is stoked that her sister is a Sarah when she's like talking about like her crush on Rain and like Lil's just like hey, I don't think I've ever had that with anybody and just don't care and she's like awesome cool <laughs> kind of deal <laughs> good good uh, good ally Ida and a uh, pretty cute and silly one where Amity is trying to ask Luz for her hand but Luz misinterprets it as her wanting to give her yet another dismembered limb only for her to realize her mistake as Amity just goes full tomato about the fact that she just wanted to hold Luz's hand. Also, pretty funny good one. Uh, she, of course, also did a joke about dress up and travel together where Luz and Amity are in very cute outfits while on a plane and made a pretty good funny goof of Amity having Hunter in a wrestling lock by the arm while Luz is just body, ta- body slam tackling to the <laughs> ground. It's one I posted in the, in the Discord the other day, because <laughs> it's it's, just, it's very funny because like the the like the tweet itself is just like Hunter getting bodied by two 14 year olds or whatever. <laughs> it's just them kicking his ass. <laughs> yeah, there's like I yeah, I was like going through a lot of them. A lot of those I hadn't seen because I guess they were made after I started following or before I follow, started following yeah. Lizzie. I just haven't seen a lot of them. There's just too many to just talk about. She she's one of those artists that like puts out just r- really good high quality art, much like uh, Antler Dragon, who I talked about early back in season yeah. two. Where it's just there's just too much. I can't show all of it off or talk about a lot of it. <laughs> it's it's good. Just go go look at her stuff if you want to see a bunch of good animal animal fan art. She also does like a few uh, bits about like uh, amphibia, but definitely less so. That makes sense. I did want to yeah, say there's a lot of cross Um mm-hmm. I also. Over the course of this week, as I was kind of locked into my executive dysfunction state, you know how that is, I did absolutely mm-hmm. go back to the first fan artist you ever recommended, uh, Mooring Mark, and read every single one of the comics he's ever put out, ever. Uh, oh, by Mooring uh-huh. Mark? And it's yeah. honestly kind of fascinating in a way when you read through it all in a day. Um, the first Owl House that shows up is November of 2019. And then disappears entirely until January 2021. So it's just wild how much that's become his identity as a fan artist so fast, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, again, I, I can't say about pronouns. I don't like making something based on the fact that the other part of their name is Mark, but I guess. I have I guess seen it's pro- it's pro- a lot of people use he, him to refer to this artist. But... Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. I, I guess I just hadn't seen that because, like, He's not really on social media. He really just posts his, like, Instagram and Tumblr yeah. or whatever. But he also, like, posts uh, occasionally, like, ones that are only on the Reddit, where it's, like, more, like, jokey little ones. Mm-hmm. 
like probably like the probably the one where like uh Amity and uh Lilith meet again after the events of like uh, midway through season two when they're just like talking about like guess whose ass I kicked Lilith and she's like oh the golden brat tell me all about it kind of deal that's probably not on the main yeah, feed it's definitely on the tumblr like yeah but, yeah that was a pretty shorter one but yeah um, like yeah okay it's, yes as per deviantark he him okay cool yeah I wasn't sure but yeah like I know that like for a longest time he was basically like alternating between like Owl House and Star comics but he also recently said that he like he's kind of run out of Star ideas and might do it so occasionally as one of us but like not sticking with it as much as he does like as he did in the past and also with Owl House because again like there's there's so much in there that like he's actually kind of accurately predicted a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird how it's like much of like oh yeah like this might be a thing but like at the same time he also does like a bunch of like stupid like theoretical things of like what's it like after everything's done when like hunters around and totally not gonna be served to the titan on the silver platter by bellows which might still happen <laughs> hopefully not based on the promo we saw from hollow mind maybe hunter decides to also not stick along with what's going on we'll see what's gonna happen see as first is that bellows is gonna eat little rascal and then the titan's gonna eat hunter no <laughs> shut the fuck up we're not manifesting this on the show dana terrorists don't listen <laughs> Do not pay attention to what they're saying. They are they are not they are not in their right state of mind. They just finished a bunch of school projects. They don't listen. But if they both get eaten, it's not as sad. No. <laughs> Shut up. Fuck you. The rascal will live forever. Like it's canceled. We can't stop we can't keep manifesting bad things happening in the show. Okay, okay. Or alternate idea. What if Hunter gets eaten but Rascal doesn't and then Rascal becomes Lucy's Palisman? Okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I would like Hunter to not be a sad, lonely boy his entire life, but if that's what I need to do to make Little Rascal not die, <laughs> sorry, Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, there was... Sorry, shit, I forgot about the one thing I wanted to bring up about, like, how the Grand Tree looks a lot more ah. rivered than it did back when it was made. I don't know if that's just because it's been a few months and it's just dying over the course of it because it's like a weird magic tree but i have seen people theorize that because it was created by loose anamity it's kind of reflective about like their emotional states because like at that point they were definitely like having a bit of an argument about like what's going on and like what loose is hiding <laughs> so people think the grom tree itself might like change its appearance based on what's going through them at the moment because like i mean at that point they were like having their first like real legit argument during their relationship so it's like maybe the tree is like reflecting that a bit that would make sense in a weird way because like i mean, I mean the tree it, is made from yeah, Grom, like, right? hey I, I think it's just like uh i think it's just a magic plant that loose created with the glyph mm. i don't think it's grom itself i think it's just a big magic tree that she made based on like her anatomy's combined power of being gay as fuck i don't know <laughs> I don't think it's Grom, because we definitely saw, like, bits of Grom sliver away after it blew up. That's true. Hmm. I don't know, then. I was under the impression yeah. that it was kind of made of part of him. Hmm. I mean, it could be, but, like, I don't know. It's, like, it's only, uh, again, it's August, so unless, like, the seasons are way different in the Boiling Owls, where it's already fall, and therefore it's losing its leaves because of that, like, it's weird that they would, like, already be, like, having its leaves fall off and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, that's the last thing I had. That that was the thing I remember mentioning earlier on when we got back to the tree, and so I was getting a bit trembled. <laughs> that's wanted to bring it up before I forgot again, because I knew I would remember, like, in a day or two, being like, fuck, I didn't bring it up again. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but oh. yeah, so uh, that pretty much is going to do it. Uh, Luce didn't really do any crimes today, so uh, we're just going to skip right over that and head to our plugs that we forgot yeah. to do last week. Um. <laughs> yeah. Very, very. Hey. Again. Very funny that it turned out that way because I've like changed up my Twitter handle like two or three more times since then. So whatever. <laughs> it actually worked out in my favor. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket. Uh, normally I don't do too much, but it would have been uh, two weeks ago, as if you're hearing this. I did a series of three episodes on Alphabet Flight, the podcast which is an exploration of the Marvel Universe. And, uh, you know, we, Art and I talk about the Abomination and how he's just repeatedly destroyed in more and more brutal ways, including the Hulk convincing him he's not worthy of love. <laughs> uh, it's very funny that it timed out well to the point where you got one about Abomination on a when you do a podcast that has a lot about creatures called Abomination. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Funny how timing works out like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm actually looking at my Twitter handle so I can actually read it out correctly. Uh, my new Twitter handle is at Chloe Phil Chaos. It's basically spelled like chlorophyll, except the first part is just Chloe instead of chloro. And yeah, that's uh, just me doing my usual nonsense stuff still, like talking about like gender and cats and stuff on there. Hey, a noble goal. Yep. Yep. Especially in these dark and trying times, you definitely want to spread good thoughts about gender and cats. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that'll pretty much take us to the close. So what that means is that there's nothing left for us to say. But uh, remember, us weirdos have to stick together. Us weirdos have to stick together. Bye. Bye.